In a world filled with sharks, bears, and killer bees, one man is brave enough to stay indoors to bring you the latest in gaming, movie, and pop culture news. That man is Tom Awesome, and this is the Outside is Overrated podcast. Hello and welcome to Outside is Overrated, a podcast about gaming and nerd pop culture. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Tom Sadlachik, and tonight we're going to discuss video game movies from the 90s. We revisited Double Dragon, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Wing Commander, and Super Mario Bros. Joining us for the discussion today are the Hobby Box, Joe Burns. hey And Dr. C, Casey Aline. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show, guys. Casey, you haven't been on the main show since the Batman episode. What have you been doing besides playing a different game on Game Pass every month for our standalone Game Pass Forever segment in the Outside is Overrated podcast feed? Um, I have been doing basically whatever my kid's sports schedule uh, tells me to do. Yeah, that's the joy of being a parent of like teenagers, right? Yes. Uh, thankfully, one of them can drive himself now to most things, so we don't have to worry about that, but it's still... A lot of games, a lot of a lot of back and forth to practices, a lot of just trying to figure out what the heck to do. But uh, yeah, so right now I have a little bit of breathing room. Fall sports are done, and we only have one child in hockey, and that's the only sport that started so far. So I got a little bit of a lull, but um, it's still still a lot, still still fun. I love it. Um, we talked last year in the fall, and you were the defensive coordinator for your kid's football team. Did that continue this year, or did you hang up the clipboard? I hung up the clipboard. It, oh, uh, man. Yeah, it was tough, but at the same time, it was kind of nice, too, just to not have to rush from work right to practice and have to worry about all that. And that's really, like, I would have done it, but their practices are after school now, so I work till 6, and that just didn't really work out with my schedule. But uh, beyond that, yeah, we did go see Black Adam the other night. Yeah, um, how was that? You said in our text chain that you gave it a 6 out of 10. So, awesome? Was The Rock great or what? I mean, The Rock's pretty good. He's probably the highlight of the movie. But it's, and I think this is kind of the, the everybody's main problem with it. It's just not very original. And I think that's hard to do with all of the super movies or super person-powered movies that have come out recently it's it's very hard to make an original movie after mcu and everything that dc has done lately and it's just kind of the same same stuff and it didn't really like the special effects are really cool the story was just kind of eh, and like everything else was just the same just kind of like eh, okay i've kind of been there done that seen this so already. hearing you say that would you say that dc movies suck and that you hate them with a burning fiery passion um well no some of them are good. I mean, the last, the, the Batman was yeah, the Batman really, was awesome, really, okay. really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed that movie. Um, it's just this, I think, vein of movies is DC. I don't know all like the, uh, and they're trying not to spoil too much, but like they're trying to sort of do what MCU is doing and like merge all of the worlds together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of like they're copying in that sense too. So like if you've watched. Um, Peacemaker. Um, nope. If anybody's watched that, they some of the characters that are in the Pe- Peacemaker series are now in Black Adam in, the, in this movie, and uh, they're, so you can see like they're trying to kind of trying to merge everything together, which I thought was kind of interesting. Burns, do you think you're ever going to see Black Adam? I'm seeing it tomorrow night. Oh, sweet. <laughs> cool. So yeah, I guess, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what I think about it too. Um, sounds like from what Casey's saying is similar to what a lot of people have said on the internet, though. 
is that it doesn't seem like it does too much that's very different. Um, it's got the rock. That's different. It, it has the rock, but then like you pigeonhole the rock into a character where he can't be as charismatic as the rock is really right. Cause the rock is kind of this like goofy, whatever, like in Jumanji and stuff like that. And then you put him in a character that's like super serious as far as I know, which is black Adam. And uh, like has this whole, like, is he going to be evil? Is he going to be good? What's he going to do kind of thing. And it's just like, you're taking away a lot of what makes the rock interesting so I can see that that's kind of an uphill battle um, to sort of evolve off of that then, right? I don't know. I've never been a fan of The Rock. Like, all the way back from WWE. Ooh. Yeah, I was going to say, The Rock's Man. The Rock's pretty good. I mean, he was like the arch nemesis for a while of my favorite wrestler, Mankind Mick Foley. But... That was my favorite wrestler, too. Super yeah. Best Friends Club. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Maybe that's why you don't like The Rock. Well, but then they teamed up. They were The Rock and Sock yeah, connection and for a while. And oh, yeah. I did the enjoy was just... The Rock in that that setting yeah well and the rock rock was really good at being a heel and he was really fun to hate but it was because he was like a pompous like jackass you know i don't know didn't know what other word to substitute in there for that so i apologize tom but uh but yeah you know he's really good as that and like i just don't see that as this character granted i don't know jack squat about black adam really so but that's just the vibe i get yeah i think that's kind of accurate and they they do like i didn't know a whole lot about black adam going into it either um but you can see like and maybe this is where some people have issue with it too is that they do kind of like try to make him maybe not as serious like he is he is a very serious character but there's times where the rock sort of personality and humor do kind of come through a little bit in the movie okay so maybe that's something that bothered some people too that that didn't bother me actually Uh that's probably what i enjoyed more in the movie than staleness that you <laughs> that's there i will probably never see it Bernsey, we record like three different shows a month what's up with you oh just do you think busy. i'll think of anything interesting to ask you before we you actually know, get I, to the microphone i said probably not <laughs> so uh i don't know i've just been doing all sorts of different things playing board games playing video games for you, podcasts and you played john company solo and we talked about john company yeah. new year's new games podcast from january of this year 2022 yeah how was that experience because John Company is this big, weird, wonky thing. What's the setup again? Like you're yeah. the chairman of the East Indian Trading Company. Well, so yeah, you're 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 a representative, or you're playing as one of the families in England that's like heavily invested in the East India Trading Company, and you can actually play the game at three different like time periods. Starting off, it tells you to play like starting in like seventeen, yeah, seventeen ten, which is like the very beginning of the East India Trading Company. And so basically then, yeah, you go through um, whoever you're playing against is going to be in different roles within the company. And then you're trying to do whatever you can to basically at the end of the day or at the end of the generation, like your family is better off and able to retire your people into fancier mansions is is kind of how it goes. Sounds intense. It, it's fun. It's, a, it's actually a lot more fun than it sounds, which is hard to it's hard to like explain that. Um, the solo version is hard. Uh, they do a really good job of taking a game that actually like requires a lot of negotiation amongst players and building like an AI component that has like a really fully functioning negotiating mechanic with it. Um, I think it actually does a really good job with it. I got like walloped in the game. I got to the point where I kind of knew I was going to lose. And I was like, well, I'll just like 
make the company fail and see if that ends up like doing anything for me. And it didn't like I was able to make the company fail, like because I was in the right positions to do it. But um, and then I just this last week, I was able to play it with a couple of other people. So we played a three player game um, and that was a lot of fun, too. It, I mean, it took a while to play. It's it's a, it's a type of game that there's a lot. Each turn is like 16 steps that you have to go through. Oh my, that's going to be a lot of fun to onboard. It, it took a little bit to go through it, but if you take it like step by step and explain like the basics from the get-go and then like as you go through it, like it all starts to click. And once you get through the first turn, you kind of know how it works. And I can see how when you play with different dynamics of people, how very different the game is. Like in, in, in the game we played, like the company did extremely well because we were just all working together to try to figure out what was going to maximize our ability to do things really well. And then like the last round, we did lots of combat and things like that and probably stretch ourselves really thin and basically like built our butt, our, our debt up and just spent money on lots of things, which if we would have went one more turn, probably would have been the downfall of the company because we just expanded way too much too fast. Um, but it was still fun. Um, everybody had a good time. It seemed like, um, it was, it was a lot to get through, but I, I don't know. I think, you know, at least one of the people I think would play it again. So we'll see, uh, I don't know. We'll see how many more times I can get it to the table. For my part, I just traveled to my second conference for work. I got to go with my boss's boss. I don't actually have a boss now. My boss just quit, so like work has been super turbulent and stressful for me. But uh, I was just out in Myrtle Beach for the first time. You guys ever been out there? No. Oh, it is stunning. We had a great hotel right on the ocean. It was like a little mini condo, basically. Like it was a one-bedroom condo that was converted into a hotel, and it was just it was incredible. Myrtle Beach is awesome. I was supposed to go to Myrtle Beach for a family vacation, but that was the family vacation right after I started my first job after teaching. And it like was like a month after I'd started. And it was just like, yeah, there's no way I can take off work to go there. So, and I didn't have any money either. So yeah, it was like double, double uh, on that one, but they said it was great. So thanks for rubbing salt in that wound. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, that's what you get for sanding our podcast. I love my job. When I started this job, I actually requested something like 11 days off in my first two months it was just it was really inopportune timing because like my dad was turning 75 my father-in-law was turning 70 and we had already like booked trips to go to california for both of those and then we had another cabin book for december and i hadn't really <clears throat> intended to change jobs but the right opportunity came up and it's like well hopefully they approve all this and they did and it's like oh cool my company's great <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we want to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. That's premierhealthmn.com. If you enjoy our personalities, you can follow us all on social. Email the show at overratedpod at gmail.com. That's overratedpod at gmail.com. Follow Burnsy at HobbyBoxBurns on Twitter and twitch.tv slash HobbyBoxBurns. Follow Casey at Dr. Underscore Casey on Twitter. You can follow me at TomSidLogicOIO on Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok. You can also follow the show... Yeah, no, I, I, TikTok is a fascinating platform. We could maybe talk about that on Unfiltered. TikTok's weird. Yeah, yeah, it is. Do you, the OIO dance. Oh, I'm going to invent an OIO dance. Yeah. You can also follow the show at facebook.com slash outside is overrated. If you enjoy our content, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash OIO. It's very easy. You go to Patreon, you set your pledge, you enter a credit card, and you're all set. What you get for your support? Well, you get an invitation to our Patreon appreciation party every summer. There is a giveaway item at the party, and there is a grand prize drawing for everyone that attends the party. Last year, it was a PS5. This year, is an Xbox Series X. <laughs> it's a JB5. A JB5! It's like the greatest <laughs> prize ever. And we got, uh, we're thinking... <laughs> 
We're thinking either a gaming table or possibly a Steam Deck for 2023. Uh, it doesn't matter what level you support at, we have that drawing for all of our supporters. Please check it out and sign up at patreon.com slash OIO. Contributions start at just $2. So you, you set up a TikTok. Does that mean that OnlyFans is coming pretty soon too for OIO? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can play like a topless stream of all the stuff I played for Game Pass forever. Let's see, there you go. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. 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 yeah, you guys want to get a hot tub together? Huh? Yeah, I mean, I've you can. The, I've got the pad for it. I was gonna say you, know, you have to you have to talk to your sponsors on that yeah. one. Yeah. What what you yeah. do with the Patreon money is out of our hands. What you do with the OnlyFans money when you build it is out of our hands too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a huge market for me on OnlyFans. Well, you never know, you never, right? Yeah, I don't know. Some you just got weirdos gotta, out there. Yeah, <laughs> there's so weirdos. so weirdos. Would you care to elaborate on that, Casey? <laughs> Um, so I was no, at this, but you know, if you probably like were in the hot tub and you were like showing your feet a lot, people probably oh, yeah. like way into that. All right, yeah, I'm horribly insecure about my feet. Yeah, so I don't, I don't <laughs> see that happening. I, I was at this conference this week, and there's a big awards dinner, and uh, my company actually won an award, and I played a big role in that. So go me. Uh, but I was at this awards dinner, and there's a photo booth, and so like I'm wearing a white shirt, and I go and I put on a white hat. And I have, my hair is going gray and like there's bright lights and they take the picture and I like completely washed out. At it. So I look just like, uh, not, not a mummy because it wasn't like bandages, but I was like completely white out in this picture. And then they like, they printed it out. I'm like, oh, this is not a flattering look for me. Well, you're in the South, you know, wearing all white that, that fits in down there sometimes. In the right crowd. Uh, to be fair, it was a white plaid, a white and red plaid shirt. It was like a cowboy theme and, uh, yeah, just... <laughs> Horrible. Hey, let's talk about some movies. Yeah. <laughs> the first movie we're going to tackle today is Mortal Kombat. Now, there is kind of a structure to this. I started with the fighting games and then transitioned from the fighter things to the other things. And then we're going to end with Super Mario Bros. Because I feel like that's the most emotionally charged of these movies. So we start with Mortal Kombat, released in 1995 with a Metacritic score of 60. That can't possibly be right. It's, Did you change that? I mean, it should be way higher, right? <laughs> <laughs> I really thought it was... Lower. I mean, I can, I can, I can cross check here while while you go. Here. Huh, well, that would be a lot of work. Uh, I, I thought in my research that it was written by Ed Boon and John Tobias, the creators of Mortal Kombat. But Burnsy pointed out just before we started the show that that is not actually true. Kevin Droney was one of the writers on this. He was actually the writer of Wing Commander, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Really? Yeah, he was the uh, he was the only writer for this for this one. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, interesting niche that he had converting video games without stories into movies. This film without was... stories. Yes. <laughs> this film This film was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. This was his second film. He went on to direct many other movies, including Event Horizon in 1997, the original Resident Evil movie in 2002, Alien vs. Predator in 2004, The Three Musketeers in 2012, and Monster Hunter in 2020, among other films. Yeah, Mortal Kombat's a 44 on Metacritic. 44. I thought it was 44, so... uh, you know, I'm not going to say that my research is horrible and that I'm terribly sloppy in the show notes, but, you know, you, you get what you pay for. If more people jumped on the Patreon, maybe I'd be a little bit more thorough in my research. <laughs> this film stars Christopher Lambert as Lord Raiden, Lyndon Ashby, who has 97 acting credits on IMDb, as Johnny Cage. He has one credit in the MCU. Can you guys guess the film? I mean... I'm going to guess he was like some sort of townsperson it was in a military the Avengers. Uh, not the Avengers. Okay. Uh, Shang. 
No. Iron Man 3. What? Yeah. I, I never would have Yeah, that. he was like military <laughs> commander or something in uh, Iron Man 3. So he's done, he's been in legitimate films. Uh, Bridget Wilson was Sonya Blade in this, just coming straight off of Billy Madison, where she played Veronica Vaughn. So hot. What to touch the hiney? Ooh. <laughs> Robin Show was Liu Kang. He has 43 acting credits, and oh, I should have practiced this ahead of time. Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa as hey, Shao not, Kahn. Not bad, not bad. All right, I didn't butcher it. Hooray, he's got 143 acting credits. For each of these films, I'll give a brief and largely sarcastic recap of the film, and then we'll talk about some different elements off of each of them. In Mortal Kombat, Johnny Cage, Sonya, and Liu Kang are lured to fight in a tournament to save Earth. White Raiden guides the heroes against several familiar villains from the early games. They do a stealth mission, get in some fights, and go on a road trip to Outworld. Reptile is a lizard, they take a long walk to the palace, and Liu Kang takes down Shao Kahn. Did I nail it or what? You didn't. It's Shang Shang Tsung is this one. Shao Kahn's the bad guy in the second one. That makes a lot more sense, because I saw that Shao Kahn was the antagonist in the second one. I'm like, same character? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Shang Shang Tsung. Sang Sue. Wow, I am a, the best GD podcast host in the world. Let's start by talking with each of these films about our history with both the film and the game. For me, I hadn't seen the movie since sometime in the 90s, probably shortly after it came out. I remembered liking it, but I never went back to ever rewatch it. I loved Mortal Kombat the game. Like I played it on Sega, which was the superior version because it had blood. Mm-hmm. Burns, your history with MK. Yeah, I, I've played the the all the original games, like 1, 2, I believe, and 3 on arcade. And then I also, I can't remember if I owned it. Somebody owned it on Super Nintendo, and then I had a friend that had it on Sega also. Um, and I remember, or I rented it, I think. I think I rented MK2 on Super Nintendo and was just like, why is this, why, why is there no blood, you know? Um, after playing it in the arcade and everything like that. And, I mean, the fatalities were always something that were interesting to me. But I could never remember, like, the combos to pull it off, like, And ever. this is, like, pre-internet. Yeah, So, yeah. like, I never bought a strategy guide. I never owned it. I always rented it. My mom hated this game with a burning, fiery passion. <laughs> she thought that the bleeding characters would corrupt me or something. <laughs> uh, great laugh. That was almost Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Casey, you've never played a game before. Did you ever watch anyone play Mortal Kombat? Um... Yes, actually. It's funny you say that. The first, my first memories of Mortal Kombat were watching somebody play Mortal Kombat. Um, Brian Nelson. If you guys know Brian Nelson, from yeah, he took yes. a uh, shotgun blast to the chest and went down to one knee. Nope, that's uh, oh Brian uh, Cook. Brian Cook. Brian Nelson was in my grade, graduated. Uh, Pat knows who I, who he is. Uh, hey, I'm the one who name drops Patrick in this yes. show. Uh, <laughs> but no, I never saw the movie prior to this. Um, you never saw it? Never oh, wow. saw it. Nope. All the movies, like, I consider you a movie buff. Like, I assume you've seen most things nerd-related in movies, and you'd never seen Mortal Kombat. I generally try to not watch bad movies. Oh. I mean, <laughs> if I hear that they're bad, I don't go out of my way to see them. So, thanks for forcing me to watch terrible movies, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're and welcome. I, and the, the game itself, um, did it come out on Sega first, or was it released at the same time as Super Nintendo? Because, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like it was on Sega first, and then, like, I rented it or something. I remember the same thing. I'm like, this is, sucks. Like, without the fatalities and no blood and stuff, I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I'm, that was really my my only experience with early early um, Mortal Kombat. I know they talk about it a lot in the book Console Wars. Yeah. I can't remember if it was a simultaneous release or if it was staggered, but the big difference was Nintendo hated the game because of the violence and the blood. So when you hit a character on any Nintendo platform, it's uh, sweat that comes flying yeah. off their body. Yeah. Nintendo had the full arcade version with the blood. I thought both versions had fatalities. Fatalities, but I can't uh, 
remember clearly enough. Right. I, yeah, I don't remember that aspect of it, but uh, but yeah, it is like a chapter in Console Wars, and I think it might have released on Sega first, and then Nintendo did put it out somewhat shortly after, but then, yeah, wouldn't allow the blood in it. Um, because I think... I think they had originally talked to Nintendo about it, but then they just figured it would never, like from what they were saying from their standards, that they, they would never be able to be on there. And so um, they were surprised when, um, I think it was Kalinske went out to visit them and and then like said, yeah, we'll, we'll release it on, you know, and then they, they were like really happy about that because that's how they were trying to differentiate themselves from, from the Nintendo systems. Sure. Well, Casey, this is the first time you've seen this pearl of cinematic beauty. What stands out to you, stood out to you, watching it for the very first time? Ah, uh, the only real thing that stood out to me was the song. Mortal Kombat! Mortal Kombat! Yes, that was, that, was a, that was a ripper, for sure. Uh, <laughs> the movie actually itself wasn't too bad. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm not in any hurry to ever watch it ever again, but it was fun. Yeah, and like we'll get into obviously our rankings and stuff in this one, but of all uh-huh. the other, you know of all the movies, this one was one of the less sucky ones. Yeah, I it, it reminded me a lot, like watching it this time and the things that I've watched since like I watched it as a kid. It reminded me, like, harkened a lot back to some of those like old classic kung fu types of movies. Um, and, and so that was a lot of fun, like watching it now, um, from that lens. So yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. I, the thing that surprised me about this film was that Johnny Cage was actually likable because I have always <laughs> hated Johnny Cage and I, I thought he was enjoyable in this movie and Phoenix really liked him. Let's break down some of these strengths and weaknesses of this film. I thought there were some pretty good individual fight scenes. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like Burns said, it's kind of like an old kung fu movie, and they did a really good job with choreography of of, of the fights and actually like kind of staying true to mm-hmm. the video game. And like that's what you want to see, I think, when you see this type of a movie. Is well, it's hard to say it stayed true to the video game because the video game is a very singular experience. Like you're one, you choose one character, and then you mm-hmm. fight up a ladder, and you can fight the heroes, you can fight the villains. They don't really delineate between heroes and villains in the game. <laughs> Uh, the interesting thing, though, with with the movie is, and I noticed this like going through a lot of it, and, and it starts to break away from it a little bit. But a lot of the earlier combat scenes are usually one v one. It's one person versus one person, especially when they're like starting the tournament, and then they forget there's a tournament, and people just start fighting everywhere in random places as they're sneaking through this like huge facility, which is. Which is funny to me, but... It, it's kind of like the WWE's Hardcore Championship. <laughs> like, the belt is yes. always on the line, wherever you are. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. But but a lot of those earlier fights, it's like 1v1, and they even, like, stay on, like, a 2D plane Some of the, a lot of the times, uh, where it's just, like, they don't do a lot of, like, moving around each other. It's a lot of either, like, side-to-side side or jumping over each other or flipping over each other, uh, which is a lot, like, in the actual video games. Yeah, and I like, too, like, some of the iconic scenes from the game, like fighting on the big bridge yeah. and, and stuff like that were also incorporated into the movie, which which was a neat touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to poke at this. I don't know how to bring it up sensitively, sensitively, but I didn't like Christopher Lambert as Raiden as all. I thought that that should have been an Asian actor. I thought this was whitewashing Raiden. Am I way off base here? I didn't like Christopher Lambert. I thought his face looked dumb. <laughs> 
I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you always, yeah, in the, in the movies or the video game, you envision him being an, uh, Asian. So I guess they, they probably should have, honestly, gone with an, an Asian actor. Like, for me, like, all I could see when I saw him, I just was, there could be only one Highlander! Because like, it's like, for me, that, that's, that's, that's Christopher Lambert, so I just want him to whip out a Highlander sword and chop somebody's head off. I've so, never seen Highlander. Yeah, you gotta see Highlander. <laughs> it's, it's a great movie. He's like an elder god or, or descendant of the elder gods, right? And so that doesn't necessarily mean, I guess, that he would be Asian, though I would guess I always assumed from like the video game that that's kind of what he looked like. Granted, you know, he had like the cool hat and uh, like the lightning coming out of like everything. And they didn't do that that much in the movie because it would have been too expensive, probably. Um, and probably would not have looked very good. But uh, so, yeah, I can understand that, though. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Is he in the? Is is Raiden in the twenty twenty one Mortal Kombat movie that came out? Yes. And I don't even remember who played him in that. Neither do I. Okay, I'm, I'm fairly certain he's Asian descent. Okay, though. okay. So yeah, so it makes sense in twenty twenty one that they would probably go that route. And I think it's fair to say that the effects don't hold up particularly well. <laughs> <laughs> True. And they brought, I mean, do you think they were good in their time, or was this just an under budget film that uh, could never pull off the effects that they could do in video games at the time? I so I mean, early '90s CG was not much of a thing. There, it was it wasn't something that was anywhere near what it is now. Um, and I think that's one of the interesting things you could look at with all these movies that we're we're, we're we watched for this and that we're reviewing here. Uh, is the earlier they are in the 90s, the less they rely on it or the less good the CG will look. And then the later in the 90s it gets, the more like refined that's going to be and the better the CG is going to be. Um, it is not great in this. Although I would argue, and we'll talk about it a lot more when we talk about Annihilation next, it's better than the CG in Annihilation, which is odd because the movie came out three years before <laughs> the second movie. Yeah. I thought, sticking with weaknesses for a minute, I thought that a lot of the Sonya fights were underwhelming. I thought yeah. most of the actors could hold their own well enough. Like, I thought that Johnny Cage's actor was competent enough as a fighter, and certainly uh, who played Liu King. I thought he was awesome. Uh, Robin Show was, yeah. I thought, just terrific, especially in the fight scenes. But I think with the hot starlet playing Sonya, I thought, like, she only fought one dude at a time, Yep. usually. And I just... It was an underwhelming thing that just really stood out to me. Like your leg sweeps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was, yeah, she was not, she was kind of a fish out of water in this movie. Um, and I can understand that, I mean, if somebody's not like a physical type of person, it's going to be hard for you to do an action movie, right? But if this is like the agents are saying this is going to be the next hot movie, and this is what's going to make your star rise after doing Billy Madison, which kind of got you out there. I can understand then jumping into it and, and saying like, okay, well, let's do it then and try to make the best of it. Um, it's kind of interesting because I've been watching a lot of the MCU. Um, and it's, it's what the amount that those actors put into the physicality. Um, granted, like Hollywood's changed quite a bit since then. And they're getting paid a lot more money, I think, than anybody that was in Mortal Kombat. Um, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. probably made more off the MCU than the entirety of the Mortal Kombat franchise has 
made at the box office. So there is that to be said too. But and they, to be fair, he deserves it. He was. I mean, he was the linchpin of the entire thing. But a lot of people said, like with Scarlett Johansson in as Black Widow in the MCU, uh, they were really surprised with how much because she wasn't known as being a physical actor prior to that. She hadn't been really in action movies or anything like that, and she threw herself into like learning the ropes, uh, literally like, you know, the, the, the wires and everything like that. And, and just like kept trying and, and the amount of workout regimen that she put in because she really wanted to like do the stunts justice. And as many of the stunts as she could do safely on her own, she wanted to do it. And so, you know, people can make that change if they want to granted, you know, if they're paid to devote months of their time to do that too, there, there's something to that also. Where, yeah, I'm sure there's a big difference between being one of the critical components of the MCU and being in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, just a bit probably. Just a bit. One thing that I enjoyed about this film, <clears throat> there are some nice nods to the games and the villains in particular were, <clears throat> I thought, really good. Goro, I've always had an affinity for Goro. He's this big forearm monster and like he is one of the end bosses in the game. And I just, I've always loved Goro and he wasn't in this a lot and he looked like Claymation and a little dumb, but... <laughs> Still cool. I like Goro a lot. And Shang Tsung. Yeah. Nailed it. It was awesome. Yeah, he was he was one of the highlights of the movie for me. He does a really good job of being the villain and like carries a lot of the movie throughout there. Like in a in a movie like this, you need a really good villain to kind of keep your interest. Um and he he does a really good job with that all the way through. Yeah, it's I guess interesting to me now that I look back at it that the 2021 movie they used scorpion and sub-zero like so much in that movie mm -hmm. and they were because everyone kind loves of, them they were well but in these movies they were just kind of like yeah castaways they they weren't really because you were, can't they, do the effects they were there yeah. but it's probably actually true that's probably a huge part of it yeah because it's what they're both so in, in the in this movie they're both like mind-controlled slaves of of shang soon right yes um and and so they fight Sub-Zero at one point, and then what Johnny Cage fights Scorpion in the woods in this one, um, which I don't know. I mean, it was it was an interesting fight, but yeah, uh, it, it is interesting that they weren't like much of a focus of this. And, I th and maybe it's a lot of the love of those characters came as Mortal Kombat continued, because I think it was with uh, was know, dude. Scorpion was always my guy. Like, from the very beginning, get over here. Right, but I mean, like, in general, like, as far as, like, what... In the Mortal Kombat lore, a lot came... Because there, like there was a game at some point that wasn't in the mainline series that was based around Sub-Zero, right? And so I wonder if maybe a little bit more of the affinity for those characters really developed after that. And then that sort of evolved to them playing a larger part in, like, the overall narrative... As opposed to with this, and, and really the story is, there's these humans that we're putting in this weird spot, um, and they need to try to learn about this weird world and this weird tournament, um, and try to, like, not die, right? Um, which, hey, they succeeded in this one of not dying. Spoiler I, alert. Oh. <laughs> Just a random crazy thought. Like, in modern video games, when somebody plays Mortal Kombat, 11 was the most recent one? 12? Yep, yeah, it was 11. 11? Uh, like, I'm sure that NetherRealm Studios is watching the analytics of who plays what mm -hmm. characters. And imagine how the franchise might have evolved if they had had that data from the original, like, arcade cabinets. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, if they had actually known who were the most popular characters and who to, like, build the franchise around moving forward. I just... Fascinating how technology and times have changed. Yeah. And I do wonder to what extent they... 
look at any of that and make decisions on characters like moving forward in the franchise off of data like that? Or is it really that they're just looking at what types of moves do people look? Is there something wrong with this move because nobody uses it? Um, Cause I know some of that, especially when you're looking at balancing an online game and a competitive game. Um, some of those things are, are, are what they take into consideration with that also. But, but yeah, it would be, it would have been interesting to see like how they would have developed the franchise off of, off of a decision like that. If they had that data. Yeah, no doubt. Casey, is this a film that you enjoyed watching for the first time in 2022? Not really. Um, for me, I, I'd rather watch the 2021 version. Fair? The 2021 version was good. Like it was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's not a, it's not an awesome movie, like by any stretch of the imagination. But it's, it was, it was, it was good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right with you, Casey. Like I'll probably never watch this film again. Like maybe my daughters will be like super into Mortal Kombat at some point, <laughs> and like we'll go back and watch the movies. Uh, but I, other than that, I don't really see any scenario where I will watch it again. But I didn't openly hate it. Like I enjoyed it enough it's fun watching it with phoenix bernsey where'd you come in at yeah i I mean it doesn't hold up i think the only reason to really go back and revisit it is if you have nostalgia for the the series uh to just go back and look at it this way but but yeah casey's right i would i would rather just watch the most recent movie again if i was going to watch another mortal kombat movie fair enough final thoughts on the original mortal kombat casey uh, it was just, it was okay. Uh, better than I thought it would be, actually. So that's saying something. Um, the choreographed fights were were enough to make it interesting for me. Bernsey? Yeah, overall, yeah, it's okay. Um, brings me back to the old cheesy kung fu movies um, that I've watched more of since then. Um, as well as then a little bit more, like, brings me back to the 16-bit uh, Mortal Kombat games. And I, I mean, I didn't particularly enjoy it, but I thought there were some interesting characters, some interesting moments, and some interesting fights. Overall, not bad. It's not something that I'll ever really invest time in ever again. From here, we move on to Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Released in 1997, this film has a Metacritic rating of 11. 11, and like, I looked at it, there were something like 11 reviews, zero positives. There were two mixed, and the rest were all negatives. I didn't click in to dive into them, but, uh, you know, buckle up. Yeah, this isn't the This is Spinal Tap 11, which is a good 11. This is a very (laughs) bad 11. Uh, This film was written by three people. There are three writing credits on IMDb. It was Ed Boon, the creator of Mortal Kombat. It was Lawrence Kazanoff, who is primarily a producer with two writing credits, This and Food Fight in 2012, <laughs> and Joshua Wexler, another producer with four writing credits, also including Food Fight. Ooh. It was directed by John R. Leonetti, who is primarily a cinematographer. He has tons of credits on IMDb, but primarily as a cinematographer. So you, a little bit of a little bit of background on this, because I, I looked into this a tad. So apparently... Um, they offered it to Paul W.S. Anderson again, um, and uh, he was making Event Horizon and wanted to finish that, and they decided they, they wanted to capitalize on making the movie and didn't want to basically, didn't want to wait for him, so they just picked the next person that was on the previous crew that 
wanted to take a chance at directing, and so that's why they went the direction that they did. Holy cow. Yep. This was his first directing credit, but he has gone on to direct 12 films, including Annabelle, which I think was a creepy doll movie that I remember had a huge advertising budget. Yeah. I don't know how it actually turned out, but uh, it was something that I at least recognized in his credits. I think it was actually pretty successful. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, There's you know, a sequel, too, I think. Everybody's so, got to start somewhere. Yeah. yeah, and it turns out in video game movies, that's usually where directors start and then their uh-huh. careers go to die. <laughs> this movie stars Robin Chow again as Liu Kang. Also, Talisa Soto as Princess Guitar. She was in the first film, but she was a less prominent character there. Uh, it's got new cast members. James Remmer as Raiden. He has 179 acting credits. He's done a bunch of DC, DC stuff, both live action and animated. He's also done two Tarantino films and Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, he's been in a zillion things. I've recognized him from... I well, can't, I, 179 know, things. Yeah, a lot of things. I, I, I've seen him <laughs> in tons of different things, and he's been a lot better in all of those things that I've seen him in than this. <laughs> They have a new Sonya Blade, now played by Sandra Hess, who has 33 acting credits, including Young and the Restless. And Brian Thompson as Shao Kahn, who has 106 credits, including Terminator 2 and The X-Files. I actually knew who this actor was, because I've seen T2, and I enjoy T2 a lot. I didn't put together that that was the same dude. Who is he in Terminator 2? Oh, nope, that's the wrong actor. That's, uh, That's the villain from Double Dragon. Yep. I saw the X-Files and I got all excited. <laughs> so, so Brian Thompson has like, been in the X-Files. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I'm oh, you think of Robin Patrick. Who, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yep. Here is our rundown of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Annihilation. The cast is overhauled and the Emperor invades Earth. New Sonya doesn't realize she has a history with Liu Kang and they hate each other. Everyone <laughs> splits up and rolls everywhere in these stupid balls where you have to stare directly at whoever you are traveling with. <laughs> There are many more nods to the game. Sonya fights in the mud. The heroes are lured to save the princess. And a day after watching it, I had no recollection of how the movie ended. The end. Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> That's a great summary. Yeah, that is a pretty good Especially summary. Especially the ball part. I remember laughing out loud whenever. I'm like, what in the world? Yeah. Now, all these things. Just imagine, like, Casey, we get stuck face to face in one of these stupid balls <laughs> traveling anywhere. <laughs> Just surrounded by bad CG. Like, like, how they, like... All right, our turn is coming up. All right, shift your weight. Like, come on. There's no way. The thing's going 1,000 miles an hour. And you're like, yeah. They're literally, like... I mean, if you were naked, you'd be inside of each other. Let's see. That's how close they were. You know, like, that's... It's... (laughs) Are you ridiculous thing I've ever seen? I don't want to ride this ball with you anymore. (laughs) I mean, are you Harry Potter, though? Do you know how magic works? All right. I mean, that's big. Oh, magic oh he's got you there. Are you yeah. Harry Potter? Um, no. Yeah. No, because Harry Potter games. plays video games, Darn. dude. Yeah. So, magic <laughs> is not one of the skills that infuriates Tom that you have. So. <laughs> yeah, find something that you suck at, dude. <laughs> Uh, history with the film I don't believe this was actually based on the game I think this was an original tale in Mortal Kombat I guess I didn't care enough to actually go and look I mean it pulls a lot of the characters from 2 and 3 um, I mean to say that the games had a story is pretty I mean there's a big bad to, to fight and you work right. your way up to yeah so a lot of these a lot of the enemies that kind of play the cadre of bad guys along with Shao Kahn I believe are from Mortal Kombat 2 and 3 I'd never seen this movie before. Uh, Casey, given your feelings towards the original Mortal Kombat film, I'm guessing you didn't either? No, I didn't even know this was a thing. I'll be honest. I had no idea there was a Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And Bernsey, you were the only <laughs> one of us that had ever seen this before. I could have sworn I saw it when I was a kid. Now, granted, my memory is terrible, so I didn't really remember much from it and, like, watching it. 
I didn't really remember any scenes or anything like that. Um, but I did remember whether it was just from watching it and knowing that it stunk or hearing afterwards. I remembered it wasn't great. So we were just talking off mic about this, but you fell asleep early on in this film. So what, what stands out to you rewatching it now and falling asleep at the beginning of this horrible movie? Well, as I said before, um, the CG is so much worse in this movie than the first one. And the opening scenes are particularly egregious. Like yeah. the, the opening sequences where like the emperor invades, it looks ridiculously terrible. Yeah. Like, I feel like we could just take the stuff I've strewn about oh, yeah. my nerd D here and we could create a better opening to a Mortal Kombat movie. No, I, probably like it was, it was shockingly, it was shockingly bad. Um, and a lot of this is due to the fact that apparently the version of the film that was released wasn't finished. So basically what had happened was they took a cut of the film that was a rough cut. Um, they still had editing that they wanted to do. New Line was used. I think it was New Line was the ones that produced it. Um, wanted to show it. They were showing it for like testing like they usually do with test audiences. And people were gen- gener- generally happy with it. So it's like, well, we're not going to put any more money into this. Let's just release it as it is. And there was supposed to be more CG passes that were supposed to go through to fix things up and everything. So that's a lot of the reason why so much of that is so much worse than the original movie was because they were just like, all right, well, let's just print some more money and pump it out there. Um, One other question I wanted to ask you at this point, Tom, is which was the worst wig? Um so Christopher Lambert's in Mortal Kombat 1. That as was Raiden. pretty terrible. Was it James Remar's in Mortal Kombat 2 as Raiden? Or was it the wig for Vicious in Cowboy Bebop? Ooh. Which wig out of the three was the worst wig? <laughs> <laughs> They're all white wigs that look terrible. I would have to say Vicious because <laughs> there are elements of Cowboy Bebop that looked really good. And there are things that they did really well in that show. Ultimately, we were all negative, I think, on it overall. But Vicious particularly stood out for looking hokey and dumb in that. Mm-hmm. So I would say Vicious was the worst wig. Right. Do you and disagree? No, no, no. I, I think so. they're all bad. But that, <laughs> I think Vicious is, is, pretty, is pretty terrible. Uh, it's just none of it looks like... And granted, who... Oh, okay, there's people in the world, ZZ Top, that have long white hair. There's other people that have long white hair, too. But it just did not work on any of these three, like, people for some reason to me, um, which is just strange. I don't know. I mean, Kavl pulls off pretty good white hair in, in The Witcher, right? Yes, yes, they do yeah. a good job with that. So it can be done. Yeah, it's been so, proven. So if there was a time machine, we just send Kavl back and he fixes this dumpster fire of a movie. Yeah, but that won't <laughs> save your White Raiden issue like yep. if, if if henry cavill was gonna be raiden i bet i would have big googly eyes if he was raiden i'd be like oh raiden was awesome <laughs> is, is he your number one man man crush no chris hemsworth okay really yeah no i love hemsworth i think he is phenomenally talented he can sing i think he's hilarious like i just uh everything that he's in i just love except for uh what was the racing movie that he did where uh the other actor stole the show rush i think yeah, that's right yeah i don't think i saw that yeah, pretty good film. The other actor is uh, Baron Zemo in the MCU. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Anyways, Casey, what stood out to you in this <laughs> terrible film? Well, uh, the acting, like the CGI, was really, really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, no Lambert equals no bueno. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, although, the, I mean, 
everything about this movie was bad. And not that Lambert like was the entire reason the first Mortal Kombat movie was better than this one, but I liked him a lot better than the Raiden in this movie, despite his 173 acting credits or whatever that <laughs> is. <laughs> um, and yeah, it just overall this just felt like a much worse version than the original. Which a lot of sequels you get that, but this was like it was really, a step backwards from really a bad. film that wasn't great to begin with. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting that Sony didn't bre- believe in bras. Interesting sure. choice for a fighting film, but then, but then, at, when she's in the mud fight, there's a scene where she's like, like kneeling on the ground when Jax comes up afterwards, and you can clearly she see she's wearing a bra there. Um, so yeah, apparently she know. only puts it on for like mud fights. Must be, must yeah. be, and it's <laughs> go gadget bra, and it's surprising how they found like a full cleaners when walking through the desert to where they got to because that that was a bright white shirt by the time they got to. Uh, where the elder gods were at to meet Lord Raiden, um, what in the two thirds of the way through the movie, you she's like, "I gotta find some water," and then it's just like it looks like she's cleanly pressed and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, let's. Well, of all the things to nitpick, I know that's a weird <laughs> thing to nitpick, but it was just funny to me. Strengths and weaknesses of Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Clearly, there's a lot of things that we could poke at here. The story was a disconnected mess. <laughs> there was a regression of all the main characters. Uh, the Liu Kang and Kitana fan fiction. The Cybermen and Robot Ninjas. Like, There's a lot to honestly hate in this film. Were there many positives? They introduced Jax Burnsy. I think you had an affinity for that character. I enjoyed Jax. I thought I thought he was fun. And he is in the first movie for like a split second. And then like Sonya just leaves him behind. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed him. I thought he was at least fun to watch and did a relatively decent job delivering his lines. Uh, I mean, he, he was lucky in that he got to be a little bit of like the comic relief to some extent to the rest of the people trying to act serious and not doing a good job of it. So... The thing, the thought that I had while watching Jax on screen is like, I wish he had been Jet in Cowboy Bebop. Okay, I could see that, I guess. I thought yeah. he would have been a better fit. Is it just because he had metal arms? Yeah, maybe. Okay. I yeah. found it interesting, and I don't really know the backstory of Jax, but I know in the 2021 movie, he actually gets his arms ripped off of yes. his body, so then they are forced to mechanically attach new arms, and yes. in this one, they were just like a metal prosthetic that he could remove at any time, which was well, <laughs> kind of odd to me. Well, and that's what surprised <laughs> me when that happens, and he gets it ripped off, and it's just like, oh, oh, okay, there, <laughs> there must have been a time where... He didn't get the metal arms because he got his arms ripped off, I guess. It, I mean, maybe that's the original intention of the character. And then as they've rebooted it a few times as they've gone through the 11 incarnations of Mortal Kombat, maybe that's changed. But that's how I always remembered it, too, was that he had cybernetic arms because he got them just ripped off by someone. Yeah. And, Bernsey, there's something you put in the show notes that I want to pick at. Casey and I both thought there were some pretty decent fights in this, but I, f- I think you hated all of the fighting with a burning, fiery passion. <laughs> I just so a lot of the fighting scenes in this um, it reminded me a lot of like when Phoenix was talking about the fight scenes in Cowboy Bebop a lot of the time where so many of them it's like super close in on the action and then cuts right before somebody gets hit or somebody does something. Um, oh, and then, I hate that. I hate the cutaways. Yeah. It drives me crazy. And so there was, a, there was a lot more instances of that in this movie than in the first one where it seemed like there was a lot more like just natural kind of like actually choreographed fight scenes, you know? Um, and then there's one where uh, Raiden is fighting two people uh, and 
you can very clearly see they didn't even try to block it, that it's just the stunt double doing the majority of the fight. And it's like clear <laughs> as day to see that it's the stunt double because the guy looks 20 years younger than James Remar. And it's just like, okay, um, we're not even trying at this point, it seems. I mean, the fight looked cool. That's one of those things that didn't get edited out. <laughs> no, that's, I, I think that was one thing they were going to maybe try to fix. Yeah, try to try to see if we could make this look a little bit better later. One thing I liked about the fights, they did a lot of nods to the games. Like, they had characters mm-hmm. popping in, like Scorpion, even though he died in the first film. Like, oh, his little brother or something has uh-huh. assumed the Scorpion garb and, like, pops in. And, like, I thought there were some cool moments uh, kind of counterbalanced by some really hokey moments. Like, when they brought in a freaking Cyberman from the Doctor Who franchise. Like, I... What the hell is going on it's here? Cyrax. Oh, is it? Yeah, there's oh. an actual couple characters, I think, actually, that are like that type. Cyrax is the first one, and then there's Noob Cybot came up, and there's another one. And I really fell off after the first Mortal Kombat. I, uh-huh. I dabbled a little bit with 2 and 3, so like I was familiar with a couple of the other characters, but uh, the Cyberman was new to me. Yeah, I mean, they're all characters from the games, but it's just like, it felt like in this one, the first one, it seemed like everything kind of made sense when a character would come in from the game. Or some, yeah. In this one, it was just like, okay, now we're going to throw this character at you, and this character at you, and it's like, and especially with the villains, like they did a good job in this one also of making the villains look a lot like they do. Like the centaur dude with the like steel tail uh, looked really cool. Um, and then the chick with four arms, I can't remember what her name was. I refer to her as later Lady Goro. Yeah. I mean, so she, she looked really good and then it's like, oh, okay, is there going to be some awesome fight with her? No, she just gets crushed at one point and you don't even <laughs> actually see her do any fighting. It's just like, okay, well that was a waste, you know? And it's just, so I don't know. They did a good job with that, but it's like, I think they had what was it? Spider-Man. Uh, Whatever Spider-Man it was where they had, like, all the Sinister Six in there at the same time. So the Paul Giamatti Sandman, or not Sandman, Paul Giamatti was one of the bad guys. Yeah, in he was of Rhino. Yeah. I think he was Rhino in the Andrew Garfield. Gotcha. And so it's like, I, I think that was the knock on, on, like, one of those movies is that they just had too many villains and they couldn't focus on any one of them. And so the whole, like, thing kind of failed because of that. And in this one, I think it's the same type of thing. You introduce all these cool-looking dudes... And then you have Shao Kahn be the main bad guy who has, like, the amount of charisma as if you were measuring it with the dipstick that you put into, like, an 87 Pinto and pull out and nobody's, like, filled it up with oil and there's, like, this little much on that thing. Like, he's just so terrible and just doesn't match up anywhere near as close to Shang Tsung in the first one. And so I think that was also just something where it's just... It just got so boring because every time he was on the on the screen, it just there was nothing interesting that Shao Kahn was bringing to the table. I mean, like, he, he was a lackey. Like he was a lackey for the Elder Gods. That I think was one of the things I wrote down after watching the film. And like that's not a good status for your main antagonist in no. the film. No, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Katana's mom, Sindar, Sindar, I think is her name. I can't remember for sure. I mean, she was a better main villain than him. Um, and she wasn't the main villain, you know, and, and so I think I think that was like the downfall of it. There was just it was just super convoluted. It didn't have like this one sort of big bad guy kind of carrying everything through through like the first one had. The one positive I'll say for this film, the there were three simultaneous fights building up to the climax of the film, and that was actually kind of cool. It had the moment that Casey alluded to with the stunt double for Raiden. Uh, was that you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I sorry, I, you guys are the same to me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 
That was the highlight of the film. I think it's safe to say that we all hated this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was not good. Uh, I classified this as a dumpster fire and <laughs> advise OIO listeners to avoid it at all costs. Yeah, it's 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 quite terrible. It's like not even good to watch in like the I want to watch bad movies and have fun watching bad movies. It's just a bad movie that you can't enjoy. Yeah, it's just bad. The only way to make this enjoyable is like make a drinking game out of it. For any time there's like a reference to the game or something stupid happens. No, you you die. You'd be, yeah, <laughs> you'd be in the hospital, getting your Which stomach pumped. Maybe is a better experience than finishing the movie. Yeah, maybe possibly. How did this end, anyways? Like I can't, I completely spaced. Like they're trying to fight the elder gods. Did they like fight the elder gods or? I don't care. So whatever. they stop. Yeah, basically. So the other two elder gods show up, and then yeah, you find out that Raiden is. His brother is Shao Kahn, and his father is kind of the one pulling the strings. And they basically, they Liu Kang turns into a dragon. Uh, Shao Kahn turns into a hydra. They both look terrible and fight each other. And Liu Kang beats Shao Kahn. Um, and you know how a lot of the villains had that tattoo, and then like the dragon, the little dragon would come up out of it? Mm-hmm. Well, so then as Shao Kahn is defeated, laying on the ground, First, uh, his his father like folds like turns into like this like kind of like brick wall that looks like a person and then folds up in on itself and disappears, and then instead of like the dragon coming out of his tattoo, his whole body rips in half and a, and a dragon comes out of it and then gets like sucked into this portal <laughs> by the elder gods. It's is is bad. That's really strange. I can't believe I don't remember that. Like maybe I fell asleep too. Yeah. Yeah, Raiden does get his his powers back. Nice. Well, let's uh, flush this from our systems and never speak of Mortal Kombat Annihilation again until our ranking segment. Sounds good. (laughs) So, guys, I've been watching a lot of bad movies lately, and during a lot of them, I happen to fall asleep on the couch. Uh, I wake up, and thankfully the movie's over, but man, does my neck hurt. Do you guys know where I could go to maybe get it looked at? Burns will give you a neck rub. How about, like, a chiropractor, maybe? I don't know. Oh, no offense, oh. Burns. Yeah, uh, if you don't want Burns to lay hands on you, check out Premier Health. They have solutions for back pain, neck pain, car accident, falling asleep on the couch-related injuries, and more. And thank you, Burns. I suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. My, my beard is scratchy, but it gives good back rubs, Canteen Boy. <laughs> I don't understand the reference. It's from Saturday Night Live. Oh. Alec Baldwin uh, and Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler, Sandler yeah. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Next, we discuss Street Fighter. Released in 1994, this movie has a Metacritic rating of 34. Too low. <laughs> Far too low. <laughs> Far too high. <laughs> Written and directed by Stephen E. D'Souza. He also wrote 48 Hours and screenplays for Die Hard and Die Hard 2. He has six directing credits. This is his only film. A recurring theme, like very inexperienced directors doing these video game movies. Everybody's got to start somewhere. And then never direct anything ever again. Mm-hmm. This film stars Jean-Claude Van Damme as Gaal, Raul Julia as M. Bison from The Addams Family. Ming-Na Wen as Chun-Li. She has been in The Mandalorian, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and a million other things. Mm-hmm. Kylie Minogue as Cammy. She was in The Neighbors, Doctor Who, Gallivant, Moulin Rouge, and she is, of course, also a pop singer. Yep. Byron Mann as Ryu. He has 71 credits, including Under Siege and one episode of Walker, <laughs> Texas Ranger. <laughs> and Damien Chapa as the 
Absolutely unlikable Ken. 77 acting credits, including lots of TV. Get to the chopper. He wishes he was that talented. A quick recap of Street Fighter. M. Bison has taken a bunch of hostages and demands a ransom. Gal is leading the U.S. military rescue effort. Chun-Li is a news reporter on a quest for vengeance. Ken and Ryu are arms dealers. Bison makes Blanca in a lab. They all bumble around for a while and end up in Bison's base. A couple of random fights and mercifully, the credits rolled. So, I, I would say there's... So, Guile is leading, like... It's like more like the NATO effort. It's like a it's like a, a global military conglomerate that's coming in on them because it's like they couldn't get the rights to real places, so made up names for all these things. Which is weird to me because like in the actual original in like in the games, it's like you are on a world map and you go to like Brazil, Japan, and we're like in some weird named Shabaloo or Shabadaloo or something like that. Yeah, and like you don't have to pay like rights fees to say that a film takes place. It, I guess uh, maybe you don't want to cause international tensions by saying it's in like China or damaged relations, but do yeah, the Chinese powers that be really care if a American movie is. Oh, good, I got myself. Uh, a terrible movie is set <laughs> in their nation. Uh, one interesting uh, fact is that this was Raul Julia's last role. And he, like, died shortly... It was either shortly after filming or shortly after the movie came out. Right? I think it was after filming because uh, he was mentioned in the credits as it was dedicated yeah. to him. So that's interesting. Went on, on top. It did, it, it did. <laughs> I mean, his, his, his characterization is actually, like, not what I ever envisioned M. Bison to be, but he does a phenomenal job of being the main villain throughout the movie and having a whole lot of fun with it. We'll start with our history with this film in the game. Had any of us actually seen this movie? No, uh, I never. Yeah, no. neither had I. Um, history with the franchise? Street Fighter 2 was one of my very first games. It was one of the first games that I truly loved. I remember playing it in the arcade. I remember going to a friend's house and playing it like crazy on Super Nintendo. It was the first game that I looked at a strategy guide for. And like I remember seeing you could take out this much health with this combo. And I was like, oh, it was just mind-blowing for me. I loved Street Fighter 2 back in the day. Yeah, Street Fighter 2 is one of the classic games of all time. Um, and it's funny because like Mortal Kombat like from the get-go was kind of good. The original Street Fighter is pretty much like widely forgotten um, and didn't have a lot of the same trappings that like Street Fighter 2 created and basically like re-envisioned the game. And then that's what's kind of carried forward into the iterations with what six I think is coming out uh, next year Uh, or or, yeah, I think it's early next year. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it's kind of interesting to think of that from that's like one of the differences between Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter because they're always kind of put head to head against each other if, for fighting games as as you know this type or that type of fighting game. Casey, you watch any of your friends play this game back in the day? <laughs> no, I actually played a lot of Street Fighter Two back in the day no. as well, and it's one of the first games I can remember actually beating the story mode version of. So um, it was awesome. Who were your guys' that. characters in Street Fighter Two? I was always a big Ryu fan. Like Ryu, then Blanca, then Chun-Li. I, I never had one specifically. I Friends, you're going to an arcade. Like, you're putting those quarters in. Like, you got to have a plan of attack. I just always ran, pick a random person. Like, I, I like Chun-Li. I liked, uh, I liked Zangief. I did like Blanca, but I never could figure out how to, like, do a lot of his moves. Um, 
I, I just liked all the characters. Like, I, I think the thing that struck me about that game compared to Mortal Kombat is just how, like, interesting and unique all the characters looked, right? Because um, there's, the, like, there's, there's there's these, they're, like, these really, like, uber, like, like, just, like, comic booky looking things, right? And just super ex- exaggerated in every single feature that they could possibly be. Um, so, yeah, but I never had, like, one that I, like, would go back to a lot. And I haven't played a lot of Street Fighter games since Street Fighter 2, really. I checked out, like, Street Fighter 4 when it was new. I was working at GameStop at the time, so, like, I checked it out. I brought it home. I played it online. That is, I think, the second-to-last game that I played online. Like, I played something like two or three matches, got perfect defeats every single time, and I said, all right, I don't need to play this against another human being. (laughs) Yeah. Especially not on the internet. (laughs) Fighting games, yeah. Fighting games are a whole other level playing competitively. Casey, who was your guy? Uh, Ryu and probably... Blanca after that I would say that would be the my, my two usually go to's what stands out to this movie going back to it now or watching it for the first time well we all watched it for the first time mm-hmm. I would say this is possibly the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life I would say it's possibly the greatest comedy movie I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life <laughs> I, I think that this is the quintessential corny B movie um, there were so many actors that were either big at the time or ended up being in lots of things after that, which I think is super interesting, like, looking at that. Like, especially, like, Ming-Na Wen, like, seeing that she was in this um, and actually did, like, a really good job, I think, as Chun-Li. Um, and it's just like, okay, yeah. I mean, she's been in things for ages, so it makes sense. But um, And then, yeah, I forgot that Kylie Minogue was in this, which is, like, that's a very specific snapshot of a specific time in the 90s when she was, like one of the most popular people on the planet, um, especially like in Europe, you know, cause she was like just massive in the UK and so on. So, um, but no, I think it was like the movie knew what it was and like amped everything up to 11 and it did not take itself seriously in any way, shape or form, which I think like, as long as like you could kind of like go along for that ride like, it was actually a lot of fun to just, like, watch all the stupid... The way that everything would stupidly, like, come together um, in all of the different ways that it did. <laughs> I had a hard time going along for that ride. Uh, what I wrote down for the strengths of this film, none. <laughs> that is come perhaps on. too harsh. I like Kylie Minogue a lot. Uh, my actual favorite Kylie Minogue thing ever was an episode of Doctor Who. She was phenomenal in like a one-off episode of Doctor Who like I think if I remember how Doctor Who works right like they do a Christmas special that's usually disconnected from the rest of the season and then they do like an eight or nine episode season each year and like she was in one of the Christmas episodes and it was like Space Titanic basically and she was just phenomenal in it favorite Kylie Minogue moment way better than this film I mean she's not like a main aspect of this movie um but I don't know like I, I don't know I it's hard for me to say that there are not a lot of strengths in this movie. I enjoyed the overtop representation of so many of the characters. And I will say that like some of the characters looked like they did a fantastic job of making them look like the characters in some of the characters. They did a really good job. Chun-Li, I thought they did a really good job of making her look like, I mean, she doesn't have like, you know, massive thighs, thighs, the size of a friggin' Oak tree. Um, like she does in the game, but like when she had like that Chinese dress on, like she looked a lot like Chun Li. The um, thing that irritated me about that, and this is such a stupid nit to get hung up on, but it did. It irritated me. She wasn't in blue. 
Chun Li, the default color is blue. She I, was wearing the alternate costume, Tom. I know there's alternate <laughs> costumes, but oh, that would have just been one nice little nod to the source material. Like it would have been some yeah. connection. Like uh, they did not uh, have a lot of reverence for the source material in this. Like Ryu oh. and Ken were so unlikable. Okay. Like, and to have my favorite character be like this wandering idiot arms dealer with his bro, who I hate Ken and I enjoyed hating Ken. That was great. But like, I just, those two drove me crazy together. That was one of the weirdest things is like those two being like, and I'm sorry, I'm going to have to swear, those two just being like general <laughs> heels throughout the entire movie is like one of the weirdest things because it's like Ryu, Especially as, I mean, and maybe some of this is tainted from, like, seeing things as, as the series has developed, but, like, he just does not seem like that character at all. And, like, Ken, I, yeah, I could give two craps less about Ken ever anyway, but he just, he never, he didn't look like Ken. He didn't act, I mean, they, they just, they seemed kind of out of place as those characters. Um, granted, it would have been difficult to... Like, those guys, as part of, like, a story of anything, I don't know that they would be interesting anyway. Maybe Ken would be more interesting than Ryu. Ryu just seems like this stoic, like, character that doesn't say anything, and I don't know that that would be interesting in a movie. Um, but they were put in a weird spot. I will agree with you in that, that they were put in a weird spot in this movie. Another character that I hated, Guile. Gull. Guile? Guile. Guile. Casey, what is your fascination with Jean-Claude Van Damme? Like, I, you know, you know I haven't watched a lot of movies in my life, so I, I am aware of who Jean-Claude Van Damme is. I haven't seen Universal Soldier. I haven't seen a lot of his movies. So, like, what is the appeal of Jean-Claude Van Damme? Because I openly loathed him in this movie, and maybe that's why I hated this film so much. And then you would probably hate every other Jean-Claude Van Damme movie ever made, Tom, because this is, that's JCVD at his finest. Um, he is just over the top, very, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> not not seeing him in any of his other movies it's hard to describe but you've seen him in this and that, that's i'm not kidding that's just kind of how he is yeah the acting is is not great the martial arts is also not really that great but there's just something you gotta love about him the whole time you're watching him <laughs> okay and i will say it's weird it's weird that you have probably the person that has the worst accent out of all of the actors playing the American, American. <laughs> the movie. Yeah. So there is that yeah, too. That, that drove me crazy too. to the greatness. And he doesn't have, he, like they, and, and granted, I don't know if all of the hairspray in the world would be able to make his hair look like Guile's hair. Um, they tried to like spike it up a little bit and gave him like a little bit of like kind of a pompadour sort of thing, but it was not like the massive like Guile like just what shooting up golden locks yeah the flat top yeah, yeah. um you know so, so that was going to be an uphill battle to try to represent that although i do think he captured just the general jackassiness of guile as a character and if they could have just dubbed over him it would have been great even even <laughs> without that like i could put that aside like when i found out because when we we're talking about this uh when we recorded uh game pass forever and then it's like Oh yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme's in this. Who is he? He's Guile. Like when you guys said he's Guile, I was like, what? <laughs> Why? What? What kind of? But like once I got past that, then it was just like, okay, it's fine. <laughs> Do you think I'm being unreasonable with how I hold to the source material in this game? Like there are so many little things that bug me, like Chun Li in red, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme as Guile, uh, Honda being from Hawaii instead of Japan. Like there's just so many little things that were just a little bit off. Like it's just like they couldn't. 
they couldn't make like find a real sumo wrestler that could act a little bit enough to be in this film. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that's being a tad un. Well, okay, the dress being red instead of blue, like that's like a bit over the top. Like fair, all right. I, I think that that's one thing that's a bit over. Um, I, I can see like being bothered by the fact that it's not a Japanese person playing E Honda. Um, you know, but I think they still did a really good job with other characters to make them seem a lot more like, like, you know, I mean, Kylie Minogue seemed like Cammy, right? She had and, the braids, so she nailed it. And, and the boxer dude, I can't remember his name, but I can't remember either, but, but yeah, he was good. With Chun Lee, like he, like they, they did like they shaved his hair to have that weird widow's peak that that character had. Like he looked a lot like him. Bad. Um, yeah, Vega looked really good as Vega. I actually did enjoy Vega a lot. Like Sagat I thought he was really done. Too. Wow. Like he looked like a little bit older than I thought Sagat was in the game. Zangief. Dalsim was... looked just like himself. So Dalsim, when he lost his hair at the end, <laughs> looked a decent amount like him. Yeah, just random scientist dude. I'm like, did they say he is Dalsim? Like I must be misremembering yeah, this game. No, because he gets some like. And, and so I think I fell asleep for a little bit of it or I got distracted and missed a couple of bits. Like, I didn't see the transformation where he went from, like, having the hair. It was as... at the very, very end, like the final battle of the movie. Okay, right? yeah, because I missed that little bit of transformation for him. But at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, he does kind of look like Dulcine. Uh, um, Blanca was a hot garbage fire. Yeah. Like, granted, he it's was going to be a hard one. hard to do a big one. green monster, but, like, yes. if, you can't, if you can't do the effects... Don't do the character. It was like, like... A Street Fighter movie would have survived without Blanca. They, they kind of did, like, the Incredible Hulk from the 70s is basically yeah. what it was. But 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 they but but they did it a little bit worse. Yes. Um, but yes, yes, that, that, that's what I was thinking, too. It was like, it was like they tried to, like, make this guy look like Lou Ferrigno, but he's not built like Lou Ferrigno, but he has to have a screwed-up face, and they didn't do that well either. <laughs> no. um, but it was better. It was better than the Blanca's in freaking Mortal Kombat Annihilation, that scene where it's like like the oops all Blancas fight, where it's just like there's like 15 Blancas that are fighting against... Uh, it, it's when Liu Kang is trying to save uh, Katana from like the cage, and then he ends up fighting just all these... I don't know, I'm not saying... That, uh, Barakas. Barakas. That's what I'm thinking. Barakas. And it's like the oops all Barakas fight, where it's just like, oh, there's like apparently like 15 of them that he's got to fight in order to free uh, Katana here. Um... Those faces look really bad too. Um, not as bad as Blanca's though. Yes. Blanca was Blanca was rough. You guys both enjoyed Raul Julia as M Bison. What made him stand out so much in this film? I agree, he was good. Yeah. Like I've been dumping all over this movie because I truly hated it. Uh, but he was all right. I I view honestly this movie. I took it like yeah. once I realized what it was very early on, which is a comedy. I'm not kidding you. You view this as a comedy. You don't think it's that bad of a movie. And Raul Julia is a comedic actor in my mind. And, like, the way he delivered his lines, the way that he, like, just embraced what he was in this movie and this character. Like, I love the big it goofy fit, and it was per- yeah, it yeah. was It was so just kind of over-the-top villain. Like, I thought he was hilarious and perfect. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's like, it's kind of like what we're talking about with Shang Tsung, right? Like, and it was a different performance than Shang Tsung's, of course, but... Like, he had the charisma to sort of carry that, like, big bad that could stand up to all these people. Um, and, yeah, and, and it just, like, he just took that and just ran with it. Like, every time he was on screen, like, he was just like, I am the alpha here. I'm going to do 
everything. I'm going to eat this scene for everything that it is. Um, so I think that's that's why I enjoyed it so much. Even though like he looks like not. I mean, costume wise, they did a good job making him look like M. Bison, but like that is not who I would have cast as M. Bison in a movie at that time frame. Like whatsoever, I would have. I would have thought that Jean Claude Van Damme could have been M. Bison because that's like facially and everything. He looks a lot more and body wise, like a lot more than I expected M. Bison to be. But but Raul Julia, I think, killed it. Like like what Casey said though, in a movie that's not taking itself that seriously, like he was the perfect fit for that. I think. Yes. This is a film that I hated in 2022, <laughs> and I will never watch it again under any circumstances. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I still wouldn't watch it again. Uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it quite a bit, like to an extent, anyway. Like it, it's still not like it's not a phenomenal movie, and you, 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 nobody could ever say that it's a great movie, right? <laughs> um, but I think how closely it clung clung, clung to some of the characters, um. But how it just discarded some of the other ones, especially some that are as, as important to Street Fighter as, as they are, like Ryu and Ken, um, it makes it maybe interesting to watch present day still. Um, like, if you're a fan of Street Fighter, to watch this, it, you might end up hating it with a, a burning, fiery passion like Tom did. Um, or you might be able to just laugh at it and see, like, this is just... This is some interpretation of the characters that I've played as for, you know, two decades in these fighting games, two and a half decades in these fighting games. So I'd rather watch Casey take a dump. <laughs> it was fun. Like I, I laughed a lot throughout watching this movie. Uh, maybe I would laugh a lot watching Casey take a dump too. It all depends on what he had leading up to it probably. But, um, or like if it was like, uh, if you were taking a dump, like in dumb and dumber, like that'd probably be funny because it's it's a funny way to take a dump, but <laughs> is that how you dump on a like a standard day? Yeah, uh, not on a standard day. No. no, like if I eat a lot of ice cream, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I see you have a shot of me in the show notes. Did you want to deliver your uh, barb, my friend? Well, I final thoughts, and I know your thoughts on this movie. So yeah, you, you know, Tom has a. Uh, bad taste in movies you're gonna poke at my taste in movies for not enjoying street fighter like <laughs> street fighter was not like in the grand scheme of like all the movies we watched and again we're gonna get into this it wasn't that bad yeah if, if you i'd rather if, play you, if you take the movie seriously and you think, oh, this is and, a good movie like like you're gonna watch like a hardcore action movie like mortal Kombat. it's not mortal Kombat. it's not an action movie at all it's it's just not, and I don't think they tried to do that. If they did, they did a terrible job at. It, I'm going to tell you yeah. that. But I really don't think they did. I think they did like a parody almost of of the game. Like they took the characters from the game, they took like they had the idea for what these characters are, what they do, and they made a kind of a funny, over the top, ridiculous story out of it. So I I think what it is is so Mortal Kombat. It was like all right, we're going to try to make as close of a representation of like what our vision of this world kind of is. And it was a lot more like self-serious of it. For Street Fighter, it feels like, hey guys, we're making a video game movie. Let's just have fun with this. This is kid stuff. So let's make something that we enjoy and hopefully other people will enjoy it as well. Like I think it feels like that's the perspective they were coming from with this. Um, and I don't know if that's the difference of how closely the creators of the Mortal Kombat franchise were connected to the movies. 
and then how closely or unclosely like Capcom was maybe connected to the making of this movie. Like, I'm not sure if there was a difference in that relationship. So with more distance, there was like not as much of a slavish, like, like just adherence to the video games. I'm going to guess it went down like this. Like Ed Boon was involved in the Mortal Kombat movies. So I'm sure there's constant quality control there. Capcom probably received a check and said, yep. thank you. Probably. Have fun. Probably. Yeah. And Street Fighter. They did. The end. And it's interesting because we're going to see with some of these other, like, with some of these other, like, video game movies, like, they take different paths of, like, how they represent the games, um, like, in video form. It's, it's kind of fascinating to think about it from that perspective as we keep going through this. Uh, speaking of keeping going, next up, Double Dragon, released in 1994. No rating on Metacritic. Directed by James Yukic. He has 236 directing credits, which sounds impressive, <laughs> but it's primarily music videos and TV specials. He has done tons of Phil Collins videos. You guys seen any? <laughs> Specifically Phil Collins? Yeah. I mean, or ones that he's directed? I like, mean, if, He's if, directed Phil Collins music all videos. Of them. I mean, I've seen some I've Phil seen Collins the, yeah. music, like in the air tonight. The, I've seen that yeah. before. That's, that's the only memorable one that I yeah. can remember. Yeah, and it's basically just him in a with darkness behind yeah. him singing. Yeah. So, oh, woo! Awesome. This film stars Robert Patrick as Kogashuko. He has 168 <laughs> credits, including Terminator 2 and The X Files. He was the T 1000, 2000. He was the antagonist 1, in T yeah. 2. 1000. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. Mark, oh goodness, again, I should practice these names instead of just writing them down. DeCascos? Mark DeCascos as Jimmy's, Jimmy Lee. Scott Wolf as Billy Lee. He's done lots of TV, including Nancy Drew recently and Party of Five. I've never seen either of those shows. And he, <laughs> he was a big deal, like, in the 90s. Yeah. He was a popular actor at that time. I thought he was going to have uh, more acting credits. I know that Phoenix has seen a really heavy movie that he was in, and she's like, oh. That's the guy from this movie that I had never heard of because I don't watch a lot of movies. He was also... Wasn't he in Teen Wolf 2? The I think he was in one of the Teen Wolves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was not Teen Wolf he was, he was Teen Wolf in Teen Wolf 2. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yep. you're going to take a shot of my taste in movies. And get Teen Wolf 2? You've seen Teen Wolf 2? I have not, but I just oh. know that he's in that movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. Don't there say you a go. swear word. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> this film also stars Alyssa Milano as Marion. She's famous from Who's the Boss, Poison Ivy 2, and the Blink-182 music video Josie. And she's in My Name is Earl, Charmed. She was in My Name is Earl? I don't remember her in My yeah, Name is Earl. Yeah, she was like Earl's girlfriend for a while. She, like, I, I haven't watched a lot of My Name is Earl. I've watched all of it. I love that show. So, because she is the one that's talking about taking shower poops. <laughs> and how you just squish it down through the grate with your toes. And like, it was just like, okay, Alyssa Milano is talking about pooping in the shower and shoving it down the drain with your feet. And that's like hilarious to me. Like, that's the thing I remember from My Name is Earl. That is hilarious. I remember very many things from My Name is Earl, primarily the early seasons. I had a drinking game that I just loved after I got out of college. I played college that with you. Yeah, it's a good game. Yeah. You should play that again. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be like a $2 Uber for you home. It'll be fine. Yeah. Nah. Burns hates me with a burning, fiery passion. <laughs> Double Dragon. L.A. is a mess. It's basically the purge. There's no law after dark. A great quake submerged large chunks of the city. Koga Shuko is looking for both parts of the Double Dragon amulet to achieve ultimate power or some other bullshit. 
and he kills the Lee brothers' mentor to try to get one and a half. The brothers join Marion, and they try to seal the first half. They fail and have to fight the big bad. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, pretty much nailed it. <laughs> History with the Double Dragon franchise. I uh, I apparently was very sloppy in my notes. This was one of the first video games that I ever actually remember playing. I remember okay. playing it at my neighbor's house on computer. So, like, I... You know, I haven't played it much since, like, the 80s. But, like, I loved Double Dragon when it was, like, a current game. I'd never seen this movie before. Yeah, I don't think I'd seen the movie... Um... I remember playing the game. I can't remember if I'd played Double Dragon or Double Dragon 2, but I remember playing one of those. Um, it, maybe it was Double Dragon 2 because I booted up Double Dragon on the uh, NES Online, you know, for the online Switch service. Um, and I don't remember playing that. Um, I mean, nowadays playing it, it's pretty clunky for like a beat em up type of game. But yeah, beat em up. Uh, the, the big hallmark was that you could play as two players. Um, simultaneously, it was one of the earlier games to like really like lean into that. Um, and so, the yeah. cool thing at the end of it, if you beat the game and you rescue Marion, if you're playing two players, you have to fight each other. Oh, seriously? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, you fight to the death over Marion at the end of Double Dragon. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I did not. Where know was that. that? Where was that in the in the movie? Yeah, I was sadly missing from the end. Casey, your history with Double Dragon? Yeah, I pumped hundreds of quarters into this game in the arcade. <laughs> <laughs> Burns thought I was going a completely different direction there. No, I, uh, I was looking ahead in the notes and something struck me as very funny. Yeah, my my dad's uh, softball tournaments, I remember one of the places that where they used to have them had this game, and I put a whole lot of quarters into that thing. Well, I was uh, around more. Like, was that the Quaffrey? No, it was, uh, what's the place out in Brook Park? Um, I don't know. Uh, what the heck is it called now? The post office? I know, right? It's the only place out there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. It's like saw, saw dust. I don't remember what the hell the place is called now. But either way, there you had a lot of softball tournaments out there. Double Dragon was one of the games that was there, and I played that thing a lot. Never, never beat it, but I got really, really, really far. And it's it's a tough game. And I remember playing it on NES, and it's even more tough on the NES. You just it I'm, continues instead of having to pump more cores into it, it but it, it must it's have been tough. it must have been easier on PC because like I was playing it as a little kid with my neighbor who was even younger than me and like I remember we got to the end so like either unlimited continues or is just way dumbed down <laughs> outside of the arcade setting. Hmm. Interesting. Never played it on PC, so no, I presume no you never watched this movie either, Casey. I have not watched this movie. No. Yeah, neither had I. Well, what stands out to you watching it for the first time in 2022? Uh, uh, a Bobo. <laughs> Whoever the actor was was completely robbed of an Oscar. It's actually two different actors. It's uh, early Bobo was one, and later Bobo was another. Well, then it was second Bobo after he gets <laughs> mutated because the scene where he finally sees himself in the mirror for the first time and has a solo tear running down his cheek, <laughs> just magical. And he was completely robbed. Yeah, it really got you in the feels, right? Totally hit in the feels. Bernsey, what stood out to you? Uh. I mean, it's a crazy world setup. Uh, it reminded me a lot of, and actually, it's been a long time since I've seen Judge Dredd, but it reminded me a bit of, like, the Dredd universe, where it's, like, all these gangs, um, and, like, granted, the cops are very different than in Dredd, of course, but... I am the law. I am... I am the law! <laughs> what would Bane say? Sylvester Stallone... <laughs> With a mouthful of marbles. <laughs> I mean, that's how he acts uh, a lot of the time. He barely speaks. He just grunts. Um, 
So yeah, that that's that's the thing that kind of stood out to me uh, about this. <laughs> I thought the world was really interesting. I thought that uh, it was an interesting take on a dystopic future. Uh, thinking about the film as a whole, it was really funny and quirky. I really uh, was surprised by how enjoyable I thought this fun this film was. It was just so quirky. Yeah, there was a lot of humor. I agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I want to poke at is the brothers. I thought it was very interesting. Two points on the brothers. One, they're of different races, which same parents. I just thought uh, interesting choice. Uh, and number two. <laughs> One brother could actually fight, and one brother couldn't. Yes. Like, very, very jarring to see Mark DeCascos do his own stunts, mostly, and Scott Wolf not. Like, yes. that was just very jarring for me. It's like, I I thought they should go one direction or the other, preferably in having both brothers be able to fight. Mark DeCascos kicks ass. Like, he's really, really good. He's a pretty in, prominent like martial arts actor, isn't he? Like Phoenix yeah. pulled up a bunch of stuff that yeah. he had done. He's like after my this. like main memory of him besides uh, Iron Chef is yeah. <laughs> is the most recent um, John Wick movie where he's like the main kind of protagonist in the end in that one. But he's really, really, really good in that movie too. Yeah. And like I love all the John Wick movies, but he's he stands out in that movie. He, he kicks butt, and yeah, Scott Wolf is a teeny bopper who can't. Well, yeah. I mean, kick he's rough. Like, he's, he's rough. <laughs> Awful. He can't fight, but I really enjoyed him in this film. Like, I thought he was funny, and, like, I liked mm-hmm. his character a lot. I liked that Lee brother. Billy? I, yeah, honestly, I don't Billy know which one was which. And, 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 yeah, the other one was Jimmy. Um, yeah, it was it was great for me to see uh, Chairman Kaga from Iron Chef, like, just in full, like, fighting mode. Um. Yeah, that that was kind of a trip for me. And Bernsey, I think you liked this film early on. Did that carry on through the entire film for you, or did it drop off at some point? It dropped off. Like I, I so the other really weird thing, like because you get all this world building at the beginning, and one of the ways that they do it is through the Channel sixty nine in New Angeles like <laughs> news broadcast. Um, and the two anchors are George Hamilton. And um, Vanna White. Uh, and then the weatherman is Andy Dick. And, like, that whole, like, beginning portion of, like, Andy Dick, like, doing, like, all of this narration about all these things that are happening as you're seeing, like, things lead up to curfew or whatever was just, like, mind-blowing to me. And it was just so, like, weird and funny and strange. And it's, like, I was thinking to myself, I was, like, was Andy Dick, like, a big deal back then? Or was well, this, like, what... Started to make him a big deal. Like, news radio was like mid nineties ish, right? So that would have been about the same time. Yeah, he was pretty big then, and then like old school came out about two thousand. He was okay, big by that time. Yeah, but it's just like it was such just like this this weird mix. So it's like so they're like seeing this, and it's like Vanna White is Vanna White, like she's her, and he's George, and it's just like these like three people that like aren't like. Like so, it's like okay, this is like the actual future, like of our world, and I don't know. It was a really interesting way for them to do that, and like the early like scenes. Granted, I don't know how the cars work, being like fed by garbage. Quick point before we move on to the cars: <laughs> Would you say that the future is so bright we have to wear shades? <laughs> yes, apparently, if you're uh, 
Yeah. If you're if you're a Kogu or Chogu or Chogu or Kogashuko. Kogashuko, there we go. We yeah. got the name down. That was a weird thing with the cards. Like they seemed to really lean into this being a video game movie. They did a lot of video gamey things. Yeah. Like there were driving sequences, there were uh shooting sequences. And a weird thing with the cars was like they're trying to drive home after curfew and like one of the brothers has to be stuffing trash into like this <laughs> yes. furnace in the car to make it go faster. And yep. I mean chased by a bobo and he's just it was it was very silly. They yep. really leaned into the car in this. And Game. Use the uh, the can of cheese whiz to get like the super afterburner effect yeah, of the, the car from the <laughs> so cheese whiz. So ridiculous. <laughs> but like after a while, so even a little bit after like their mentor gal dies and they're like in like the boat chase scene, like that was a lot of fun. But then like after that boat chase scene ended, it seemed like the movie like just ground to like a halt for me, and I was just like bored for a good chunk of it until it got to like the ending scene like the ending fight scene and everything in the sewers where i can't remember the name of Alyssa milano's gang but like like the light bringers or something something weird like peacemakers that. i don't know something something like that but anyway like like that final fight scene and everything kind of came together there like that's where i kind of came back on board but there was a huge chunk in the middle where i was just very disinterested in the movie and kind of like it really fell off for me i i like went from like being like okay this is like super funny weird kooky and then it just like got dull yeah yeah i mean i found a way to fill that dull time but <laughs> so you can't base your liking on a movie on what happened to you during the movie town right <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, I enjoyed this movie. There's a lot of positives to talk about here. <laughs> One thing that I was quirky, there's a, a mechanic that they went back to several times. There's a lot of screaming in front of green screens, like in the car, on the boat, like so many sequences where it's just the brothers like screaming. Uh-huh. Well, in like, front like, of a green screen over and over again. The, the overly comedic, like, look behind us, something's happening, look back at each other. Ah! Like... Yeah, they they did that bit a lot. How many stupid times did they do their dumb handshake thing too? Like, <laughs> yes. God, oh, I was that like just annoyed the f oh, out of me by the end of the and, movie. And then the weird like twirling like kick thing that they had to do together, like where they oh, grab yeah. each other's Turn arms and spin. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like how that's not effective. Can yeah. that be effective, Casey? You're a doctor. Let's rely on your knowledge of the human body here. Is that an adequate way to generate force to damage somebody, or is that just going to get you like karate chopped in the crotch? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with no on that one. <laughs> Straight from the doctor, see, you got it. If you're looking to beat up a bunch of thugs, don't grab your uh, fighting partner by the arms and swing their feet at somebody. <laughs> it's like it's like when. They were writing this. They were thinking of like the moves they did with their wrestling buddies when they were in their basement in their like teenage years or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like it's so strange. Some of the like I don't know. It definitely didn't take itself seriously. That's for sure. I thought, given what the Double Dragon game is, it, it's a beat 'em up. Yeah. I thought there's surprisingly little fighting of thugs. Like it happened a couple of times, yeah. and they're certainly fighting in the big climax of the movie. But I was like, I was very surprised that it was so character driven. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Like, <laughs> and out of the three main characters, like I really hated Marion. Like I thought Alyssa Milano, as much of an affinity of, as I have for her as a like an actress, like Marion just didn't do anything for didn't you. Didn't 
didn't do anything for anybody in this film. I thought her dad, the chief of police, was a much more interesting character. He had a lot less screen time, but it was a lot more impactful because he he was the one who cut the deal with the gangs to like give up law in the night. And like he was faced with a uh, bribe from Robert Patrick, who we'll dive into in just a minute here. I thought he was just a much more interesting character than like the main female actress, the main female lead in this film. I mean, I. I think she was fine. Like, I, I wasn't, like, put off by her like it seems like you were. Um, I just wasn't as interested, I think, in a lot of what was happening. So maybe that's maybe that's why when things started to focus a little bit more on her and then, like, them connecting back up with her kind of thing, maybe that's when I got more disinterested, too, I guess. I don't know. Um, so maybe there is a correlation there. But I, I wasn't, like like anti her character like it seems like you were burns hated her with a fiery passion (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about robert patrick the main antagonist kogashuko which uh i didn't get the name from actually watching the film although they said it several times i got it from writing the notes on imdb Uh cool name what made robert patrick stand out so much as the antagonist in this film he he was he I, i he just it was similar to like with raul julia and street fighter right um, his character is like kind of just this weird kooky thing. Um, he has to be wearing sunglasses cause light, he's like, he's light, sensitive to light. Sen- he's light sensitive. There you go. That's the phrase I was looking for. Um, and like his attack is just this, he like turns into like this, like negative version of himself and flattens out and goes into the ground and then can like either like invisibly affect strangle attack someone or he can take over their body and then like act as them like i don't know it looked really weird um and just to clarify he could only do that once he had the one half of the amulet once he had half the amulet yes yeah prior to that he was just a generic 80s bad guy which i thought he was awesome as well he had half the amulet for like the very beginning of the yeah true yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like early on he gets the happy amulet uh, and he does that a few times throughout the movie especially at the end um, and so you know and, and really to his credit like he took the spot of the good fighter of the brothers so that was a smart move of him tactically uh, <laughs> yeah. when you think about it you know um, but uh, I don't know he just like like Raul Julia like he like commanded the screen every time like he was that character and just did a really good job, I think, of that and was fun to watch. And it's funny because if, like, you look at, like, him as the T-1000, like, he's I mean, literally a robot or an android, depending on where we land on that one. He's a robot. Okay, he was a robot. <laughs> and uh, there's just not a lot. There's, like, I mean, no, like, emotion with him at all in that. Whereas this, he got to just be a lot more funny and interesting, uh, which which I think was was... It was, it was it was it was it was a lot of fun to watch him whenever he was on the screen I think probably my favorite scene from any of the movies we're going to discuss today is when he united all the gangs like he called this big meeting of all the rival gangs of New Angeles and he got them all in one place and there's like one spokesman that kind of spoke for the group and he just murders them yep. and like assumes control and I thought that scene was awesome they had all these like silly dorky like archetype gangs and they're mm-hmm. like oh all right well now we follow this guy all right cool yeah he was just I mean, you think of late 80s, early 90s bad guys, and, like, he just fits that persona super well. Like, when you just, when you see him, you know, like, cheap suit, sunglasses, uh-huh. kind of just, like... I thought a suit looked good, dude. I'm, I'm super rich, you know, yeah. like, I mean, it was, it, he just played it 
really, really well. I thought. And um, the best of all of the thugs in the entire thing is the post officer that would just <laughs> jump off of the top of a building at people um, and never hit anyone and probably just kill them. It happened like there's a couple of times where it's just like some of those thugs, yeah, they're just like reckless abandoned. I'm just going to jump off of this tall place and try to land on someone to take them out. And I kept trying to think back, like, <laughs> as I was playing through the game, were is that a person that I encountered ever in the game? Because it's it's uh-huh. odd that they did that so many times. Uh-huh. And then there was an other goofy guy who had like that, <laughs> that, that laugh. Yeah, yeah. And like he did that like two or three times. I'm like, yeah. is this a callback to the game? Yeah. And I'm not catching it because I don't remember this. I think he I was like, just a callback to Salacious Crumb from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> oh, the yeah. little guy, the Jabba the Hut. I I think uh, Mohawk was a nod to the general like run-of-the-mill bad guys from the game. Yep. There must have been... Lasher must have been an enemy in the games, too. I know that they used her pretty extensively in, like, Double Dragon Neon, which released 10-ish years ago. Sure. I mean, there's... But I don't remember the post. There's females with whips in the first one. So yep. there is that. And then there's the big, like, bulbous dudes, which is what a Bobo turns yeah. into. Yeah, oh, there's definitely a Bobo. I remember the yeah. Bobo. That's, like, the one clear impression I have of this game from back in the day. Except I remember them having, like, this big, round, like, cookie face. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember mailman jumping off of buildings at me though but, <laughs> but it maybe came in like Double Dragon 2 or 3 which I didn't play as much Casey was this a film you enjoyed watching for the first time in 2022 no no I it was for me it was pretty bad like I didn't didn't enjoy much of this movie other than Mark Dacascos and Robert Patrick you know I'm on the other end of the spectrum I did truly enjoy this film I, it drug a little bit for me and all jokes aside like I overall I thought this was an enjoyable package yes it was was it big yeah I, I mean I've, I've heard, I thought it was a fair size I mean I thought it was fine um, you're I'm talking not, about the film now to be clear yes yeah. yes uh, I'm not sure it holds up aside from seeing some well-known folks being in something very very strange um I don't know that in 2022, a lot of people, hence why it's the only one that's not on Metacritic. I'm guessing people just haven't revisited it or updated whatever rankings of the movie would have existed so that it can be counted by Metacritic. I don't know how Metacritic works for older things like this. Um, I was surprised any of these films had Metacritic ratings to be. Yeah. But I thought, oh, I'll check as we use it standardly. Casey, final thoughts on Double Dragon. Um, yeah, it was, like I said, pretty... pretty uh gross I, you know, like I said, Mark, Mark DeCascos and, and Robert Patrick only reason to, to see this movie this movie I actually fell asleep twice during um, once like right in the middle we sound and, like, like the oldest men up. like we're all talking about <laughs> no, I, but, that's all, like, that's, but like Burns you kind of said that like it was sort of exciting in the beginning but yep. it did there was a point in time where it did fall off and that's yep. I fell asleep at that point and then like I woke up at like four in the morning and I'm like well that sucked so then I, <laughs> then I went back to it again and I fell asleep, like, I started at that point, fell asleep probably, like, 30 minutes later the next night, and then I had to watch it. So, like, yeah, it was, it was really tough for me to get through all the way to the end of the movie. Um, but, yeah, it had just a couple decent moments. Like I said, I, Mark DeCascos' martial arts being one of the main reasons to watch this movie. And Bernsey? Yeah, I, so one of the other things about it that stood out to me is when they do, like, the CG stuff of... Uh, like, so for instance, when a Bobo is chasing them and they throw a newspaper on, or a map, I think, on his window so he can't see, he puts his telescope up and it's like the, those very old school, early 90s rudimentary 3D graphics. 
and that that was like a good callback to back in the day. Um, it was a good like video game moment. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's like her brother, Marion's brother, is playing VR, and he's just like, and it's like the same type of thing. It's like just this really rudimentary thing of like this kind of like almost a roller coaster thing, like on this just very basic 3D plane. Um, and so that that was interesting to see and kind of like gave me a little bit of nostalgia. But otherwise, I I think the movie was mediocre at best. Not not enjoyable as a whole, but it had parts that were enjoyable. I thought it was a lot of fun, and kudos on the world building in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was an interesting scene. Sorry to go back, but like in the games, they aren't really in that dystopian kind of universal. It's kind of strange that they, they took that turn, and it was one thing that was actually, I think, fit well with the movie and, and the characters and everything that was in it. So that was a good choice. Yep, these guys are crazy. Uh, check out Double Dragon. For our next movie, we're going to tackle Wing Commander, the most recent of these films, released in 1999 with a stellar Metacritic score of 21. It was directed by Chris Roberts, who created the Wing Commander game, no other movie credits. It was also written by Chris Roberts and Kevin Droney. Interesting that a video game designer took it upon himself to direct a movie about his IP. Uh, we'll talk about whether or not that worked out. This film stars Freddy Prince Jr. as Lieutenant Christopher Blair, his homeboy Matthew Lilliard as Maniac, and Saffron Burroughs as Angel. The alien race, the Kilrathi, steal a human AI and they are on their way to Earth. Lieutenant Blair is tasked with delivering Princess Leia's message <laughs> to the only force who can help. Blair, Maniac, and Angel have to do a bunch of combat missions in their low-budget X-Wings to buy time for Earth's defenses. The half-breed Blair has to make an impossible jump across space and the good guys blast the Kilrathi into oblivion. The end. The end. Wing Commander. Uh, history with the film and the game, I'd never seen it. Casey, I presume you'd never seen it. I no, yeah, I'd never seen it. I vaguely even heard of it. I just assumed that it obviously had something to do with planes and or and or spaceships. <laughs> Bernsey, you had both seen the movie and played the game. What uh, what did you remember? What's your history with these with this franchise? Yeah, so I'd I'd remembered seeing it, and I remember that Matthew Lillard was in it, um, but didn't really remember a whole lot of other than I just remember that I thought the movie was okay. Um, the games, I think, were a treat for their time, and I kind of went back and like looked at some of the gameplay. I'd played the original Wing Commander at some point. I think it was after it had come out, um, um, and I, I really enjoyed it when I played it. And I, I was watching some like gameplay footage of the first Wing Commander again, and the the game is phenomenal for like when it came out, like what it does. I think for these games only on pc or were they on yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so they were they were only on pc i don't actually know if they ever came out with they might have with some of the later games they might have had like playstation versions of them like wing commander 3 and 4 because that's when wing commander started doing which it, i guess it kind of makes sense then wing commander started doing full motion video for all of its cutscenes. Um, and a lot of like the interactions with like the other pilots and things like that. And so I'm, th- I'm thinking that's kind of where Chris Roberts cut his teeth, so to speak, um, and why he thought he could make a movie kind of branching off from that. Um, also knowing a bit about Chris Roberts, like he probably thinks he can do anything and everything. So it's not surprising <laughs> that he would say, I can direct a movie and uh, my, uh, you know, my team can just do all the CG for the movie. It's going to be great. So, well, what stands out to you going back to it now, Bernsey? Um, so it, it really did have pretty good graphics for its time. Um, 
that that was one thing that that stood out to me a little bit. Um, it would have been probably a couple years later that Battlestar Galactica TV series would have been, or would that have been like ten years later? Was that late two thousands, early two thousand tens? Having never actually watched the any Battlestar, I don't know. I've yeah. watched well, I've watched the miniseries. I'm trying to remember where in the 2000s that came out. Um, but anyway, like that does a lot of this type of stuff a little bit better. Um, granted, that's a series, so it's hard to kind of compare and contrast those two things to that. Um, there's some things that I wish they would have captured a little bit more in the movie that exists in the games um, that I'll talk about a little bit more detail as we get into it some more. But Sure. Casey, what stands out to you watching for the first time? Well, I thought the graphics were pretty decent too, but then I remember that The <laughs> Matrix also came out in 1999, and then I was like, oh, this movie sucks. Well, if the Wachowskis could make The Matrix look freaking awesome and still do some of the same <laughs> stuff, and like it, it holds up today, and then I watch this movie and I'm like, you know, like this is... <laughs> compared to the other movies that we've watched in the 90s fine great i mean the graphics are, are pretty good but compared to what they could have done in 1999 <laughs> i mean you're also comparing this to like when it came out like the matrix what it did was revolutionary for cg and everything like that like like that was like a quantum leap forward in what you could do with cg um in a movie and so like it's like it's like saying that you know it's like you're comparing something to the best of whatever happened to that point um it's like saying that um i'm trying to think of a good analogy but i can't but you're you're basically saying that this thing is a turd because it's not as good as the best thing that ever happened at that time well i mean i guess my point is that <laughs> the technology was there granted they you know yes the Matrix was revolutionary, and it's awesome. And like I said, it still holds up today to being one of, in my opinion, one of the best movies I think ever made, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Would you say like, it's more or less influential than the original Clerks film? <laughs> more. <laughs> I, I love Clerks, but <laughs> Matrix, is, yes, has done way more than the original Clerks movie. But like, <laughs> even, even comparing to... Like Star Wars, for example, like you can still go back and watch. And, and again, I know Star Wars is revolutionary, and it did so much for every. Star Wars was also like, revolutionary twenty years previously. So. Exactly, and that's kind of my point too. Is that like this movie, although decent for the graphics and and, yeah. and things in it, was after I thought about it more and more, I'm like it was just okay like it, it really yeah. i don't think was anything special it right. just seemed a lot more special because we had watched garbage all the way up until there is some truth to that too <laughs> i thought this film was surprisingly good one of the things that we wanted to talk about is the character maniac played by matthew lilliard <laughs> i thought that uh i thought he was a really interesting character in this film because it, he comes off initially as like an arrogant like exactly what i'd expect a fighter pilot to be mm-hmm. if i ever met a fighter pilot in real life i'm like oh yeah it'd probably be a complete douche like this dude and then i thought they did a good job of actually making him likable with what happens later in the film yeah I, I think so too i as much as i like matthew lillard in scream um and like his, him playing stew in that movie was just like oh he was so good it was a, a joy to watch like that character be just outlandish and crazy 
Like, it just didn't work for me in this movie. And granted, he does have some redemption as it gets later on. Granted, he has to get someone killed in order to get to that point. But, uh, and so I guess, to, to what extent can you really be redeemed um, if that's the case? But uh, I mean, he saves Freddie Prince Jr. I'd say it's a wash key, so you're shaking your head <laughs> about the redemption. I Yeah, I didn't enjoy his character at all. I thought he was an idiot. I thought the whole love story that they concocted with his character was stupid. Um, I think he was a terrible pilot. He got his girlfriend killed. He should have been shot in the face and uh, never allowed to fly again because he should have been dead. And his whole character was was completely stupid. But do you shoot Maniac in the face and then like sacrifice the 8 billion people on Earth? Or do you let him fly to try to help save the day? I mean, he didn't really do anything after that. He didn't. <laughs> he he shot a couple things when they did like the little surprise assault thing. I mean, he saved Freddie Prince Jr.'s life, and the, Freddie Prince Jr. went on to save the world. So, you know, yeah. he played a role in saving Earth. There could yeah. have been another pilot in that spot. Yeah, but would he have been able to oh, do? Hunter what wasn't did. wrapping the thing around him and like flying true. out there to grab Freddie Prince Jr. Because he didn't. Get Hunter a was going to watch him die. Yeah, true. Hunter would have watched him die. Yeah. Love him or hate him. As a pilot, I mean, he didn't save him as a pilot. He saved his life by strapping a rope around his waist. Right. (laughs) Which that scene in itself was... (laughs) Space physics are one of the things that bothers me, like, immensely in movies. Pressurization, though, right? (laughs) But but the whole cabin would have lost pressure. Every single thing in there would have been sucked out that hole. And the fact that they were, like, standing 20 feet away and weren't even affected by the suction of space, it's like, give me a break. (laughs) Like they're like, oh, you're just gonna stand there. But Freddie Prince Jr. is like, oh my god, I'm getting sucked out this hole. And they're like, how you doing there, buddy? Hey, you need a rope? It's like, come on, man. Like that pilgrim half the, is the really heavy. The fact that they're just a little bit farther back doesn't mean that you're gonna avoid a vacuum. A vacuum is a vacuum, no matter how far away you are. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, they were all struggling a little bit against it, but they weren't as close to the suction as he was. Yeah, because so. distance evidently matters in whatever that. Well, it takes a like, while for a vacuum to like suck everything out, right? It's not an instant. Is it? I guess I don't know physics either, so... Well, the, the pressure and everything in it is would be the same. So the effect, whether you're 5 feet away from it or 30 feet away from it, is, is the same. Yeah, but it takes time for, you know, the vacuum to overtake the air that is inside of it. It's not going to happen, like, instantaneously. And granted, <laughs> like, maybe more realistically, if the hole was created, the entire thing would crumple open and it would just blow up, right? Or disintegrate yeah. or whatever. But that's not good TV, Yes. <laughs> Bernsey, let's uh, poke at your affinity for the franchise a little bit earlier. Yeah. On. One of the things we talked about with Street Fighter was how every little nit drove me crazy. Every yeah. thing that was different from the characters down to Chun-Li's dress color. How did you feel about the characters in this film and how they were portrayed versus your experience playing the first game? Yeah. And and granted, a lot of this like came from going back and watching like some interactions with some of the characters in the first in the first uh, game and and all of these are represented so like hunter is a character that's in the game angel is in the game although she's french in the game and, and uh um uh taggart taggart uh, paladin is not paladin is um scottish so they, they oh. did some mixing of like nationalities and stuff in there but that was one of the interesting things about wing commander so, so Wing Commander was a dogfighting game. So you, you, not Mike Vick, but you're flying spaceships and you're shooting at each other. Um, and, and you're trying to fight the Kilrathi, who look 
they look a lot cooler in the video game than they do like as these weird like Chuck E. Cheese rejects in, in the movie. <laughs> so I'll give you that too. Um, but one of the coolest things about it was that you would so you, basically you start the game and you're in like the bar, right? And so Chen, whose name is on the ship when Freddie Prince Jr. jumps into it to like pew, 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 this is going to be so cool when I'm flying in this thing kind of thing, you know, at the beginning when he first gets there um, and is dead, he's the bartender because he's retired and he's the bartender. You go talk to him. He's like, I'll give you the, I'll give you the lowdown on all the, all the other pilots and stuff like that. And then there's always, well, usually there's two pilots sitting at the table. You can go talk to them and they give you like contextual information based upon either the mission that's coming up or like just what's happening, what's going on, introduce themselves, so on and so forth. And so you get a little bit of background on who Maniac is, who all these people are and who hunter is um they all have like these like personalities which is it's interesting um in the movie and, and they're all like different ages some of them like taggart's close to retiring um like hunter's older uh you have uh boss man who's who's older as well um and so they all have like these different personalities these different experiences um both when they're like your wingman as well as then when you're just talking to them like in these interstitials between the missions um, and then what'll happen is if you go out on missions and characters die, so like if your wingman gets shot down, like when you come back, you have a debriefing, you talk about it, they say that they died, um, so on and so forth. So it's interesting, the playthrough I was watching, Maniac gets killed, um, and then he comes back and then the, basically the guy was just like, yeah, he, he was, he, I mean, he was careless, he was reckless, um, don't don't blame yourself too much for him. Like he kind of got what was coming to him, even though he was a good pilot kind of thing. Um, and then after you have your debrief, you go and there's a memorial service for the pilot that died. And the commander will say like a little bit about them. Um, usually it's in a positive light compared to what the debriefing maybe was talking about. Um, and then like they like shoot the casket or let the casket go off into space and then, like, they play taps. And I remember, like, that specifically from, like, the game and how cool that was. And it's like, well, why don't you have a scene like that in here, like, after one of the characters dies? Like, I don't know. It just felt like that would have been an interesting way to tie into the original games and, and give that some of the weight instead of just saying, oh, well, they didn't exist kind of thing and, and fighting against that a little bit, you know. That sounds really powerful and it sounds yeah. really interesting. And it makes me think that uh, the simulation genre is just a better fit for movies than fighting games. Right, right. I think so too. There's a little bit more of a chance for story because in fighting games, like it's all about you versus the other person, right? And the, the, the characters look cool. They do interesting things, but you don't need necessarily the backstory and everything like that. And so they can just be this like one page of text. And that's, that's what the background is on this person. Whereas in the game, you sort of envelop this or develop this background with them um, that you find out as you interact with them. But then also like, as you go out on missions with certain people, you'll like certain people as your wingman compared to others, possibly because uh, in the AI that they have in the game, they, they maybe act a little bit differently um, so I think that's interesting. The other thing is, yeah, they're all different ages in that. Whereas in the movie, they're all like these mid 20 somethings, um, as the pilots and that's it. And like some of the older people are like the commanders of the bigger ship and everything, the tiger claw and so on. And it's just like, it's, I just wish that they would have had a little bit more of those characters in there. So instead of Hunter being like this, just jerk that hates him right away for whatever reason, you know? Um, you know, have him be Australian and you get to tell that he's Australian and, and sure he could still like dislike maniac and dislike Blair, but 
like I don't know, have just a little bit more could have gone a lot a, a lot further than just having like these two or three pilots that you know a lot about, and then the rest of them that are just kind of like we throw their name out and that's it. I'm guessing any. I'm guessing there had to have been a plan for like a character memorial when those characters died. Could but be. I guess that it got cut because of the pacing of the film. Could be. Because this film moves along very, very quickly. Like they're always on the move. There's an overbearing sense of the clock running out. Like they have to get to Earth before they kill Rothy do, or it's goodbye planet Earth. Yeah, it's, With, it's a very much like Battlestar Galactica in that sense. Like Battlestar Galactica, the whole series has just like this momentum of you're going from like just one mess of almost getting eradicated to the next mess of almost getting eradicated. Was that a similar theme in the game? Was that that overbearing sense of time? Not in the first game anyway. I don't know if in the later games more of that comes out. Um, in the first game, it's a little bit more like you're doing these different missions. You're always like interacting against or with the Kilrathi in some way, shape or form. So sometimes it's like, oh, you go to this system and they have a base there and they're trying to get supplies. So you got to shoot down their ships. Um, the interesting thing about um, the games is that if you have more success or less success in missions, it branches off and different things happen. So for instance, um, if you shoot down all of the transports that are going down to the Kilrathi uh, stronghold that's on a planet, uh, then the rebels that are on that planet are going to be able to overthrow the Kilrathi. And so that sets the Kilrathi back overall. Um, there's like this one time where you have to protect a supply ship that's going to bring medications to um, these other, to, to this, this uh, human uh, Terran uh, base that's on a planet because they're getting eradicated by this, by this uh, virus. And if you, that doesn't get down there, then that planet will get wiped out. So there's like interesting ways that the story branches with that game, which in like a game that came out in like the 1990, um, like that was huge at the time. Like it won lots of game of the year awards. Um, and, and it's one of the more influential like series, even though it's been forgotten because there hasn't been anything that's come out since like the late nineties. Actually, there was one thing that came out on Xbox live arcade, but it was wing commander only in name. Basically. Um, it was more of like a 3d, like top down shooter type of thing. Uh, more of a shmup than it was like an actual, uh, game. Um, so, like, the movie then, getting back to like where we were talking about it, like, overall, like, the movie just kind of was boring. Like, there, there's a lot of these things going on, and there's some interesting action scenes, but then it just, like, kind of just, like, dully moves between them at times. I don't know. It, 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 it was a weird thing. Like, it was better than some of the things that we watched, for sure. Um... But it's like it was missing something. And I don't know. I'm not 100% sure exactly what that was. I'm surprised to hear that as your take because I enjoyed this film. Like, I thought the pacing mm -hmm. was really good. I thought they kept moving it up. I thought the combat was really interesting with the ships. We, I was watching with Phoenix and she's like, she has a huge affinity for submarine movies. And like, when oh, they're yeah. bombing the craters, she's like, oh, that's a submarine tactic. I'm yep. like, oh. So it was a lot of like submarine combat in space. I thought that was just really cool. And she, uh, she loved the scene where Tagger broadsides the other ship yep. and like suckers them in and then broadsides them. And I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this film. Casey, you didn't like the Pilgrims. I didn't really get it. I mean, we got a little bit of backstory on it, but like in the end, when he's like, "Oh, you're the only one who can save us. Like, you have to like do this. There's no way that anybody else can do can do what you do. Like, there's so many different like the, the codes and stuff they had to type in. And in the end, he was just typing the same code into the thing over and over and over and over and over again. I'm like, 
Dude's a type faster, so or dude's a fast typer, so so, <laughs> so <laughs> think of it this way, Casey. So you know how you're just innately good at so many things? Yes. The pilgrims are that at space travel. So they can just They're like space cases. Now do you get why we hate you? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they, they can just they have a knack for like navigating space and knowing it's like, okay, I'm in this situation, I need to go this direction or do this thing and chart these coordinates this way. So something sort of like how, um, and this is maybe a bad example, but in Rain Man, when they drop the matchsticks and he can just count them right away. So they're like, they're like that. See, I think my point though, is that like, (laughs) he's just typing the same coordinate in that they already had. It's like anybody could have done that. He just kept entering it. Like in the computer's like lost coordinate, retype coordinate. And he like typed the same coordinate in lost coordinate, retype. He's typed the same coordinate. in. It's like. (laughs) Dude had one. Dude had one coordinate. Like (laughs) he could just type it in super fast. Like you're telling me nobody else could have done that. And and like I get like I know where they were trying to go with it, but they did a really terrible job at portraying how important that pilgrim character actually was to the overarching story of it. In the end, I was just like, big whoop. Like anybody could have honestly done that. It was just like typing the same thing over and over again, over and over again, over again. It's not like unless there's some sort of like. Whoops, as I whacked the microphone here. Um, <laughs> some sort of, like, aura about them as they're going through these holes that they just automatically end up wherever they want to end up. Like, if they're just thinking, like, oh, all right, here's where I want to go, and, like, they just suck through, and, like, hey, look it, we made it, we did it. I didn't have to do anything despite my super fast typing on this keypad into the same <laughs> thing over and over. I was just, in the, in the end, I was super underwhelmed by what they probably could have done with that story of the pilgrims yeah maybe they didn't maybe didn't portray particularly well i thought they did a great job of dripping the information about the pilgrims like it was a little bit here and then like uh blair is a half breed and like everyone on the tiger claw is a huge racist apparently except for maybe the <laughs> captain and it's like oh they, here's a little bit about the pilgrims he'll here's a little bit more about the pilgrims here's another little bit about the pilgrims i thought it was just great storytelling the way they gave us a little bit more here and here and here yeah i mean i thought i thought that was i thought that was okay i just um, I always get frustrated when there's just like, as a plot device, we need to have this person just outright hate this other person. And then there's no way to get past it except for, oh, now magically they're past it. And so like the second in command on the ship, um, like just like hates Blair with a fiery passion because he's a pilgrim. And apparently he was a tactical idiot too. Like how did he <laughs> rise to second in command? Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, but, like, in the end, like, he... In the end, he's like, hey, Paladin, you want a coffee? This is the only thing I'm good at. (laughs) So it's just, like, so so that stuff kind of drives me up a wall in movies where it's like, they're, like, they're, like, crafting this, like, this conflict just because it needs to be there. Um, And so I always get turned off a little bit when that type of stuff happens in movies. And granted, it happens in the real world, so maybe it's just, like, you know, replicating that. But, um... But I don't know. It just there. I don't know what it was because there's like I think they do a good job of building relationships between some of the characters. Uh, and then yeah, I, I liked a lot of like the space like fighting action scenes. Uh, I think they did a really good job of of like when they're going out on missions and everything like that. I thought it was curious when they did like the breach of the other ship. It's like are these fighter pilots like the only Marines that they have? Like yeah. why are they doing everything? Why are they the jack of all trades? And why is Angel like the wing commander going on every single mission? Like isn't yeah. she an important person who should 
delegate from time to time? Like, do you right. really put your most important tactical asset, like, out in the field on every single mission? Yeah, like, the commander probably would never have gone out unless it was, like, a desperate situation. Um, and I don't know if, like, they're, they're probably, if they're trying to explain that away because, like, the former wing commander had died, and so then... Yeah, I don't know. That that part of it well, was... Well, maybe they should have learned weird. from him dying that the wing commander shouldn't be up there. <laughs> right, right. I don't know. So, yeah, that was a little weird, too. Uh, I'll agree with you on that. I thought that their reveal with Paladin was awesome. Because, mm-hmm. like, he's just... He's around for, like, the whole film, and you don't realize that he's someone important until a critical moment. It's like, oh, well, that was really interesting. That's really well done. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, the tension of that scene, I think they did really well with that, too. And then how, like, he was able to get them to, you know, change tactics so that it would end up saving the day instead of, like, leading to everyone's doom. And now, Casey, let me put you in a theoretical situation here. Like, say you're a fighter pilot and, like, all of humanity is at risk and, like, you're a single guy. You just started being a fighter pilot. And, like, you're thrown onto this ship where all the fighter pilots are, like, different genders. Like, you're saying you wouldn't try to hook up if you were in that situation. I'm equating you to Maniac if you didn't pick up on my vibe. Here's the thing. Like, I think... If they wanted to have some sexual tension between the two characters, that's fine. But I thought it was really strange that they decided to like develop two separate kind of love stories at the well, same time. I and think like, they, I <laughs> using your story, like you know, most young virile guys are probably going to want to do that. Hook up with you know uh, the hot you know whatever commander yeah. or whoever, and like that, yeah. I, I get that it makes sense, but like. It's weird that they had that going on at the same time as another love story. So, like, for me, like, in this kind of, I don't know, predictable story overall, it was just weird that they decided to add, hey, let's have another love story that, like, these two are, like, doing their thing. And then they, I don't know, it just, in the end, it just kind of didn't make sense for me. Well, I feel like the Maniac one was the important love story because it, it gave him a little bit of humanity. It gave you yeah. something to like about him. <laughs> Whereas maybe Blair and Angel, that didn't do much for me. It's like, oh, well, forced. he's trying to hook up with his superior officer. That seems like a good idea in the military, <laughs> especially when all of humanity is like at risk. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see that for sure. Because um, you don't even really kind of get a hint of that. Like maybe there's a little bit of, you know, attraction that you can kind of gleam off of somewhere in, in that but okay, so we're up, until, up until the very very end of the movie that's when they yeah. like oh let's let's all of a sudden make out when you get back here well see now i'm dying and, and i would have thought angel would have held a grudge against him because when the ship got like attacked that one time and she bumped into him like his shoulder was so hard it gashed her head open because i don't know how the <laughs> that happened otherwise i was wondering the same thing <laughs> Uh, pilgrims have razor blades for their shoulders. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. apparently, that's why they're hated so much. Brains, you pointed out something interesting here in the show notes. You said, "So, did the captain die?" Yeah, he he gets hit in the head and he's bleeding like, and he like looks dazed. And but like he's gone. He's gone, and it's like, so did he die? Is he just like, like, is it, does he have like a full head bandage and he's sitting in his quarters right now? Like, it's just weird. Like they don't say anything about it. He's just gone, and the other guys in command apparently, and it's all okay. And now, oh yeah, hey, you're, you're this this big uh, navy bigwig too. And all right, well, welcome aboard. Now that you, now I know you belong. We're kind of okay. I don't know. Yeah, some of the stuff it just like just jumps places. Well, I thought the end of the movie itself even was like kind of really abrupt. Like, oh yeah it was like just ended just a, just a big battle all of a sudden oh we're back on the ship hooray oh you're going to medical bay yeah, movie, yeah. like movie no closure it's like, just over what the <laughs> yeah. like, what 
Like, Hooray! <laughs> like, is there a celebration on Earth? Like, show people, like, you need, yeah. like, some sort of award ceremony, like Star Wars. Does Han Solo get his medal? What the <laughs> <f> <laughs> Like, what's going on? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was fine. It just ended. Like I, I laughed. At, game, at, like, game over. As the credits came up, and, and like I just laughed. I was just like, oh, oh, no closure. Then it just happens. Okay. Yeah. Well, same. There we same are. Thing. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Casey, was this a film that you enjoyed in 2022? I believe we're 0 for four so far. Uh, 0 for five. Oh, because this one was also pretty bad, and I'm not gonna ever watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I love this film. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I enjoyed the pacing of it. Like uh, Matthew Lillard's character, Maniac, drove me a little bit batty. I thought he was mostly grating and irritating until like he had an emotional punch. But overall, I really enjoyed this film. Burnsy, where do you come in? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I don't know that it holds up in 2022. Um, and I guess Casey's sort of thoughts on the CG and everything like that probably um, like buoy that. Uh, topic a little bit, <laughs> but uh, I still enjoyed it. I, I still liked it enough. Um, I would say there are probably a thousand space things I'd rather watch than Wing Commander yeah. ever again. Yep, uh, including Battlestar Galactica. That'd be pretty near the top of the list. Yeah, no, I mean I would I would rewatch any episode of Battlestar Galactica than watch Wing Commander. Like it was fine, but it's not something that I would need. I would recommend people watch it if it sounds interesting to you, um, or you just have like you know, 95 minutes to kill um, and want to watch some space combat. Like, I think it's good for that. Um, I thought it was very interesting that it was directed by a video game designer. Like that, uh, it's... Given that it was not done by a director, Yeah, I thought it turned out pretty well. So, like, what I know, and I don't know everything about Chris Roberts, who created Wing Commander, um, but, like, he is... I wouldn't say he's an egomaniac because I think that like develops like a, maybe a different image of him, but he is like the prototypical, like, like he's a God game designer in that, like a lot of people revere him because he made some games that were really good that did some things that were ahead of their time. Um, and now as time has gone on, he's gotten to the point where he's trying to do everything, but does nothing. Right. So, um, I guess famously that basically they started a Kickstarter over 10 years ago for the basic spiritual successor, a modern version of Wing Commander that is called Star Citizen. That's going to be this huge space universe. Basically, let's mix Wing Commander with EVE Online, all of these things that you can do. Um, and it's a game that they've been working on for over 10 years and still has no release date, has taken in tens of millions of dollars from crowdfunding various crowdfunding sources um and taking money from people people have been playing the game for years in early access because they've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for ships in this game that hasn't been released yet um and so it's just it's crazy to me um like the status of where like this guy is at nowadays <laughs> That's what terrifies me about crowdfunding something. Yeah. We talk about crowdfunding every January in our new sh New Year New Games show, and I think it's really interesting, and I want to support I want to support independent creators, and I want great projects to come to yeah. life, but I'm so worried that I would commit any amount of money to a project like Star Citizen yeah. and then never see it. Like, I, at this stage of my life, like, I am too conservative with my spending. Like, mm -hmm. I want to buy a finished product. I want to go to the store and buy the thing or, like, buy the download online. Like, I just... That is what terrifies me about crowdfunding. Yeah, it's 
It's strange. It's a it's a it's a weird weird world. Um, when it, when you look at things um from that lens, um, the one interesting thing about Wing Commander is it was the highest rated game or movie that we watched on IMDb out of the six. Blech. Not the highest rated on Metacritic, <laughs> but the highest rated on IMDb, which I yeah. thought that was interesting anyway. Yeah, I think like production wise, this was probably the highest highest production of any of the movie that we movies that we watched. Uh, but it's still in the end for me the predictable story and forced love interest to just kind of in the end ruined it for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just couldn't get past it. Yeah, Wing Commander. Next, we talk about our final movie before we rank all of the video game movies we've ever talked about on Outside is Overrated. Released in 1993, Super Mario Bros. has a Metacritic rating of 35. This film was directed by Annabelle Jenkin and Rocky Morton. They primarily did music videos, The Max Headroom Show, and they both directed DOA. Have you guys ever watched that film? Never. I have not. It looks interesting. It's uh, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. Uh, Dude was poisoned and has like 24 hours to live and is trying to figure out who killed him. Oh, Oh, actually, that sounds familiar now that you explained it. Yeah, no, the trailer looks super interesting. I'm like, oh, that's the only other movie that they've ever done. Or that was their first movie, I think, and then Super Mario Bros. was their second. I mean, Max Headroom, like, that was a classic back in this early 90s time frame. Yeah, I never saw it. You never saw Max Headroom? I mean, it's not, that was like an MTV thing. It wasn't a... Yeah, I didn't have cable until I went to college. So, like, anything that was was on MTV in the 90s? Nope. that uh, That was interesting, for sure. This film stars Bob Hoskins as Mario from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, John Leguizamo as Luigi, Dennis Hopper as King Koopa, and Samantha Mathis as Daisy. A quick recap, dinosaurs were banished to an alternate dimension when an asteroid hit Earth. They continued to evolve. Luigi meets Daisy and falls in love and chases her to that other dimension. King Koopa is trying to merge the dimensions. The plumbers have to navigate a strange new world where dinosaurs are de-evolved into Goombas. (laughs) The end. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's strangely it. That's yep. exactly what I envisioned from the series. I mean, of video games. So our history with the film of the game. Everybody's played Super Mario Brothers, right? Yeah. Like certainly anyone that listens to a gaming or nerd podcast must have some familiarity with uh, Super Mario Brothers. If you don't, hit me up on Twitter at TomSilagicOIO, and I'd be fascinated to know what rock you've lived under and why you listen to this silly show. So of all the, like, I've played most of the Mario games. The only ones I missed would have been, like, the Wii U and Wii games. Oh, and the GameCube games. But anyway, I, I all the early ones, and then, like, um, the Odyssey, which released on the Switch. Um, and funnily enough, the only one I've actually ever beaten is Super Mario Odyssey. I think the huh. only one I've beaten was the original. Yeah, I never. I don't think I ever finished. I like, beat Galaxy too. You never played Galaxy? No, it's GameCube. I never had a GameCube. That was Wii. I never had a Wii. Yeah, you missed out. That those are some good games, man. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Especially Galaxy. A lot of people like Galaxy a lot. Yeah, you can buy the uh, 3D Classics bundle on uh, Switch and play it now. Can you? I don't. I don't think they sell it anymore. Oh, well, buy. They sold copy. it for like a year, and it was they. They did the Nintendo thing where it's like, hey, we're gonna have this, but. By March 31st, it's going to go away. I think you can buy it, like, secondhand still, the cartridge of it or whatever. No, they all self-destructed after the year. I mean, (laughs) if Nintendo could do it, they would find a way to frickin' do it. Uh, 
Had it, either of you seen the movie? I remember watching it in the movie theaters as a kid. I went with a neighbor or a friend or someone, and I remember thinking it was the worst movie that I would ever see in my entire life. <laughs> um, I have seen it. I did not see it in theaters, but I'm pretty sure I rented it from Steve's World or Main Attractions or something at some point in time and, and watched yeah, way it. Way to plug the highlights I, of more of Minnesota. <laughs> exactly. Um, you didn't get it from uh, Festival Foods? They had a video <laughs> rental section. <laughs> Could have been from Festival. You're right. You're yeah. right. I totally forgot about that. I, I... I don't know if I ever actually saw the whole thing. I, I, I remember seeing like snippets of it. Like I remember seeing Dennis Hopper as King Koopa. Um, and I remember seeing like the weird looking Goombas and everything like that. But I don't think I ever actually saw it as a kid. Turns out you missed out this film. <laughs> and going back to it now, it is quirky and weird. Casey, what stood out to you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's super weird. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the other thing that stood out to me was the uh, song "Walk the Dinosaur." Yeah, dinosaur, dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, that, that that still slaps. Yeah. That's that's good. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I I wonder if like open the door, get on the floor, everybody <laughs> walk the dinosaur. So I I really <laughs> wanted to look it up to see if that was made for this movie. I did look it up. And was it? it was it was uh, so I'm trying to think off the top of my head. It was. So the person that sang it for the version that we know of that was on the radio was not the same person that sang it in this song. This this the person who sang it in this was uh, uh who the heck was it? God, I can't remember. But Kylie it, Minogue. No, it was not Kylie Minogue. Billy Idol. It was uh oh man, it's somebody like it's, Lenny Kravitz. It's somebody's Hunter famous, Pence. But it's like uh, a <laughs> Hunter Biden. Man, I can't remember now. Now it's going to bother me. But so, and there's no way we could even look it up. There's you know like, I mean, no way we could yeah, ever we, find we out. We could, but we'd have to pause it, and we're already like two and a half hours into this thing. <laughs> but so, but it was made. I don't know if it was specifically. It had to be made specifically for this because what you hear in the movie is the only part of it, and then they actually like somebody else took it and like actually made the rest of the song for it. Uh, okay. So like that that. You know, boom, boom, like you know, like the, boom, the part boom. that's here, like that is super, super, like it's like maybe a forty-five second clip in this movie. Got so it. that that was it. Interesting. And then somebody made it into a full-length song. And somebody probably made bank off it. Awesome, Bernsey. What stood out to you going back to Super Mario Bros? I mean, it was an incredibly bold direction to go with developing the game series as it was at that point um, into the movie that they made. Like it was. It's by far the like farthest cry from what the games were out of like any of these movies that we've watched other than this. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Uh, did it work? Did you enjoy this film? I actually I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. I mean, I was know, it mostly the Tom commentary as we watched this film together? I mean, I did have a lot of fun watching it with you and Phoenix. So there's that. George Clinton. That's who sings it in the, in the in this movie. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, and then uh, Bill's brother. <laughs> yes, Bill. You guys know who George Clinton is. Don't yeah, you? I have yeah. no idea. Bill played no. saxophone for him. <laughs> oh. So is okay. Now, now we have to go somewhere else with this. <laughs> is that so? The person that did the music for uh, Mortal Kombat. Okay, different George Clinton. Was George S. Clinton? Oh, get out of town! But That's... he is—he looks more like he could be Bill Clinton's brother than yeah than actual George Clinton that did walk the dinosaur. 
little, little different. Yeah, just touch. Just touch. <laughs> boom, boom. Like a, like a, like a, boom. Like a, like a, boom, boom. One of the strengths <laughs> of this film for me was it was just fun. Like, yeah. you had to completely detach from the source material. I'm like, Mario at the time was like animated. Like, it just. It, there is no way to bring Mario Bros. to life in a live-action film. That was just a terrible idea. And it's funny, given how I harped on the source material in Street Fighter, yeah. here I'm just like, ah, whatever. It's like <laughs> a completely separate and different thing. Okay, they're plumbers. They're named Mario and Lu- Luigi. All right, good enough. Let's let's no. roll. They're named Mario Mario and, and Luigi, Luigi Mario. Mario. <laughs> Which, Which I was funny. Yeah. Is, I'm like, wait a minute, that makes sense, because it's always Mario Brothers, so you yeah. can't have Mario and Luigi... Their name has to be Mario Mario. Huh. Yeah, I, uh, I can honestly say that being a fan of Mario for 30-ish years, I'd never thought about that. Awesome. I thought it was really... <laughs> you know, Phoenix and I both thought that it was really interesting to think about the dinos' continued evolution. Like, if they were still alive and out there somewhere, what would they look like today? And like, I mean, they like humans. Yeah, a lot like humans, except yeah. they like to, like, bathe in mud. <laughs> well, I mean, you know... <laughs> And eat weird stuff. So then, ironically, they became fossils in real life, right? So really, they're just bathing in mud like forever. They so it's kind of it's kind of sweet, you know, the way that they ended there. Bernsey, what did you think about this game trying to ground the Mario Bros. in reality? It was, I don't know it 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 was it was surprising like it was a surprising the amount of like effort they spent to explain it um like i don't know i i did not expect that they were going to go to the lengths that they did to try to make it like rooted in some form of science fiction right um which i think is commendable actually for it because i i wasn't expecting that coming in um and i think it it does it does a job of at least it does a it, it at least somewhat decently sets up like where they're at and how they look and how they're different. Right. Um, now it's what if still this, weird. What right? if this film had gone in a completely different direction and like it happens in the mushroom kingdom and like Mario and Luigi are jumping all the Goombas. And then at the end you find out that I can't eat the mushroom. So that could have been a direction they could have went. I think the, the thing with that is that I don't know that they, in 1994, with like the limits of what they could do from like a set perspective and just like graphically, I don't think they could have like pulled that off. Like that, that, I think that's where part of the limitation comes in. Right. And so you could try to make it look more like real life, um, with like twists and stuff on it. Um, I don't know. I think the people that came up with the idea for this movie ate mushrooms and that's how they (laughs) came up with this movie because it is like, weird and trippy um it, it, it's it's so strange like I, I i'm struggling to come up with words to really like try to encapsulate what i thought about like that whole aspect of it well you eat some mushrooms and think about it <laughs> casey i'll pivot to you we talked about on the last film how you hated the love stories and we've talked on previous shows about how you're just like this cold emotionless heartless robot <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the luigi and daisy relationship I found it interesting that they chose to go with Luigi and Daisy versus, say, Mario and Peach, who are probably much more well-known characters and much more, like, you get the Luigi and Daisy in Mario 2, right? Which is, what's the actual name? Well, so, yeah, Mario 2 isn't actually, 
if you look at it from like the actual like video game perspective in Japan, Mario two isn't actually, or wasn't actually intended to be Mario two. It was a separate game called Doki Doki panic that didn't even have Mario and Luigi and all them, but Mario two, which is the lost levels that was released in America in the SNES uh, all-stars package. Um, they considered was way too hard for Americans so that never left Japan, and then they knew that they needed to make a Mario 2 because they were going to have Mario 3 come out in America. They didn't realize that we had Casey on our side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so then that's when they reskinned Doki Doki Panic to have Mario, Luigi, Toad, and Peach. Um, and so Peach isn't in the original Mario Brothers game. Bowser isn't in the original. It's King Koopa. And so that's where they were basing really? a lot of these characters. I thought yeah. Bowser was like jumping on the bridge shooting fireballs. I don't think they ever call him Bowser in uh, the original Mario Brothers. Really? Yep. Bowser is in this film. I learned something every No, he's every King day. Koopa. No, he's the slime. The slime is King Bowser. Shut up. Yeah, he looked it up on IMDb. The really? slime is King Bowser. Okay, yeah, no, I, they didn't explain this, it. This like, is even more weird then. <laughs> and so, yeah, and, and supposedly then... Um, Daisy is the princess in the first Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers 2 and then 3 is where then Peach and Bowser and all of those things come into play. Wow. Okay. So that's that's so I think they rooted the movie in what had released at that point and not in Super Mario Brothers 3 which would have been coming out like after the movie came out or right around the same time. Very interesting. So Daisy is the princess in the first film? Or in the first, I, yes. Not film, canonically, the first canonically, I believe that is right. Really? And if we're wrong, that shoot me a mind. note at Tom Solace, OIO on the Twitter machine. I would love to be have the record set straight here. Yeah. I, guess, I mean, that makes more sense why they would have done that. It's just in my mind, it's like the whole time. I guess I had I had it wrong. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Bernsey, I know you've always been a Luigi guy. Yeah. Uh, first off, Why? <laughs> I just always liked Luigi. I don't know why. It's it's huh. weird too because usually it's like if something's like colored red, that'll be my favorite because I and red's always been my favorite color. But for some reason, I've always liked Luigi. It could be because in Super Mario Two, he could jump higher and it just had more utility that way. Sure, um, I get that. Well, what do you think of his portrayal in this film? Um, so I thought John Leguizamo was likable for sure. As it, I, I'm a little bit bummed that he had an IQ of fifty. Um, I mean, it makes sense of why he has to be around his brother a lot, because I don't think he could survive on his own in the real world. Um, they do some funny jokes with him being an idiot. Oh my God. He is so dumb. And it's funny. Like it is actually funny. Like it serves the movie that he's just stupid the entire time. Um, so like, it's not, it's not wrong, but, uh, it's a little bit of a bummer. You know, so I guess it makes sense why he bumbles through a mansion through like three or four games too, I guess. Right. So, have you played any of those games? I have not. I've heard they're fun. Most recent one is pretty good. Yeah. I got it from the library once. Very fun. Uh, so you hated John Leguizamo's portrayal with a burning fiery passion. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I said. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, I already said it, but one weakness of this film is it could never be like the game and it, it, yeah. it just never could be. It wouldn't work. So it's curious that they just even took this shot with a live action movie. Yeah. I mean, especially it's not like other people, unless other people had started developing video game movies and they're like, well, we need to beat them to the punch. Like it was literally Nintendo saying like, we need to make this. And 
especially given like Nintendo's image in the early nineties of like, just being like super kid centric, kid friendly. Like this movie is like a departure from that. Like, it's not like this isn't like rated R. There's not like, you know, people aren't doing lines and like boning in the alleys or anything like that. But (laughs) it's just, it's, it's a very mature version of like the story and events, um, to come from like Nintendo at that time frame. It's interesting that they uh, didn't give the characters their trademark uniforms until like the end of the movie. Casey, mm-hmm. yeah. was that a plus or a minus for you? Oh, it was definitely a minus. Um, <laughs> and I thought like the whole time, and it was weird too because a majority of the movie, Luigi's actually wearing red. Like, uh-huh. which is like, like, why, why is he in red? Why is he in red? And then like, yeah, like the last, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of the movie, they finally get their, their actual plumber outfits which they've been they're plumbers the whole movie but they get these i don't even know they're actually i don't even think they are plumber outfits they're just outfits that they just get and like then they put their plumber boys get there, there yeah so um that's when they turn you know get their red and green colors and and then it all kind of comes together the very very end of the movie which i thought was kind of a waste like i would have liked to have seen that a lot sooner yeah and you know the other interesting thing is how much mario gets around in this movie like he's got the girlfriend that gets trapped and taken over there, you know, the the girlfriend with the the, the big bazoombas. Yep. Um and, and then, you know, he has the uh, the other lady that he meets in the club that he like, you know, grows fond with and accustomed to and everything like that. Yeah. Like yeah. Mario's a ladies man. He's a womanizer. Yeah. King Bowser was played by Lance Henriksen. Can you guys see that over my shoulder? Yeah, here's the sure. slime. What a weird thing. That is weird. That is weird. Was there any other strengths or weaknesses we wanted to... So, they're calling the king of the Mushroom Kingdom King Bowser. The guy that was the slime that then turned into Lance Hendrickson at the end. They're called... that The fungus was King Bowser. That's strange to me. Which, Daisy then would be Daisy Bowser. Right? Because Daisy is... Right, unless she marries Luigi, then she'd be Daisy Bowser Mario. Mario. Daisy Bowser Mario with the hyphen. Yeah, I mean, that was in the running for the name for my first child. DBM. <laughs> DBMS. Yeah. Duigi, do, do, do would that be there? Or would it be Lazy? Would that be their, like, celebrity? Celebrity name? Like, Better relationship friend. name? Yeah. Lazy. <laughs> Perfect. Were there any other key points that we missed? I mean, so, like, if you couldn't tell, this movie's kind of hard to explain i could only imagine like being bob hoskins trying to make sense of this in order to act in this movie i mean it's not surprising (laughs) to me that he was drunk on set all the time because if if i had to try to make sense of this and act as a part of this like i would probably struggle with that too they talk a lot about evolution and de-evolution in this game casey did you enjoy the uh de-evolution guns the the guns like actually de-evolved or evolved people as a whole. I didn't really understand like when you strapped him into the machine and like de-evolved or evolved people, it would only de-evolve their heads, which was <laughs> extremely strange. And that's how we ended up with all the Goombas, which were incredibly weird looking things because there <laughs> yeah. was just these big people with these tiny little dinosaur heads walking around or turtle heads or whatever, which... Obviously, we've all played Mario, and that is not what they look like in the game. So yeah, they're not all eight feet tall, towering over Mario. Mushroom. Why they did did what they did here? Mushroom heads, right? Exactly. Yeah, everybody likes a good mushroom head. Takes. (laughs) 
Do you think it's interesting that over the course of the entire film, there's this weird fungus that turns out it's King Bowser, which we uh, verified during a quick little break, but isn't it weird that they didn't eat any of the mushrooms throughout like the entire film? Like, oh, it's growing. It's trying to help us. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see that, like, if he would have grown, like, twice as big or somehow developed the ability to shoot fireballs out of his hands. I don't know. I mean, this movie was crazy, so it's kind of odd that they didn't do something like that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, anyways, Super Mario Bros. Is this a film that you enjoyed in 2022? Casey, we're 0 for 5 so far. Gonna be 0 for 6. How? And, and I know, here's, How? here's the thing, like... When I hear that, was this enjoyable to you? Kind of the way that I think about this is if I'm flipping through TV and I see this movie on TV, am I going to watch it? No. If I stumble across it and I start watching it and like I'm not forced to watch it, I'm five minutes into any of these movies. I'm not making it past five movies or five minutes. I guarantee you that. There's way more stuff that I would rather spend my time on watching than any of these movies. Even Street Fighter? Were they (laughs) the greatest comedy of all time? (laughs) Um, so that's my thought and I get it like enjoyment is a is a a way that you can interpret that many ways I guess is what I'm trying to get at but no like none of these movies movies that we've watched are anything that I would be like oh it's on I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna watch that or again like if I'm just happen to stumble across it I'm never gonna put my much that much time into watching this movie i'm gonna skip right over it because they just don't do anything for me in 2022 like at at the time of these movies coming out they actually were probably fine but in 2022 there's so much better content on tv that i don't need to waste my time on these okay so here's a scenario that i like to put people into especially burns but you have a choice casey you can either watch all five of these movies back to back to back to back forever or the whole earth is lava you mean all six yeah all six movies or the whole earth. I mean, if that's the case, I would watch these all for to save the earth. Sure, I can put myself through twelve hours of bad movies again. But he would shoot Maniac in the face and let the yes, earth die. Maniac needs to die. <laughs> huh? Well, uh, thank you and not thank you at the same time. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed this film, uh, Burns. I think we both had a good time watching it. Like we were just hanging yeah. out, and I, I mean, I ran my mouth the entire film, so I don't know if that attitude or took away from it for you, but I had a ball with it. Where did you come in on this film? I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. Oh, I me would. too. Yeah, like I, I guess my standards a little different from Casey's. Like you equate it to flipping through channels where there's a lot of competition. I kind of try to take it in a vacuum, and it's like I sat down, I watched this thing. Did I like it? Yeah, all right. Yeah, this well, was quirky and fun and weird. Cool. And and how much of it, though, was the fact, because you've never seen a movie before, so how much <laughs> of it was the fact that this is the first time you actually sat down and watched one of these move, motion pictures yeah. that everybody talks about? Yeah, it was cool that you brought popcorn, too, and like it was a whole thing. <laughs> you never got to the bottom, though. I had a hole cut into the popcorn, and you just never made it that far. Oh, man, you didn't tell me there was like a secret cream filling. <laughs> Corn. <laughs> and now we move on to one of my favorite things to do on Outsiders Overrated. We're going to do some rankings. Let's get into it. We are going to rank all of the video game movies that we have discussed on the show in the, our video game movies shows. So that is 80s video game movies from, was it December of last year? November of last year? Sometime. This, it definitely wasn't December. Time. December was yeah. Witcher Mania. 
It was around November. Yeah, it'd be November. Yeah, probably November. Yeah. All right. So November of last year, November of this year. What show is this? Yeah. November. This will be November. Yeah. I I know how my production schedule works. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Our current rankings as we go into this: number one, War Games. Number two, The Last Starfighter. Number three, Tron. We are adding to that Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Street Fighter, Wing Commander, Double Dragon, and Super Mario Bros. The way so- I. How do we want to... Okay, so one question that Casey and I were talking about here off mic a little bit. So are we ranking these from like an enjoyment scale, like where we put them from top to bottom, or are we ranking them as like what are the better movies yes. from top to bottom? So either or. Yes. Okay, I think that, that feels like the same answer that you've given me every time I've asked that question when we've done one of these <laughs> yeah, lists. Yeah, no, it, it's a great question. Gotcha. It's a great question, and we've never really set the rules, so let's just jump it in the iron cage and see how this some bee shakes okay. out. So what are we starting with then? Uh, I like to start at the bottom of the list and work our way up to the best. So okay. I think it's clear and obvious that Street Fighter is the worst film that we talked about on this and Street Fighter belongs at the bottom of the list. Nope. Nope. Mortal Kombat Annihilation with a bullet. Absolutely. Bottom of the list. High five. Yeah. I mean, you guys are wrong as long as you can accept that. Like, I had Mortal Kombat just one spot higher. Like, I thought they were both rubbish and I just... uh, Mortal Kombat I guess I had lower expectations for. I hope for anything related to the beloved game in Street Fighter and just let me down on literally every front. Mortal Kombat Annihilation is the bottom of the list and it's underneath Tron. Yeah? I have Tron as the next one. Yep. So, so far Burns and I are on the same same page. I'm going to make a quick note of that. Uh, so then at number five, I would again push for Street Fighter, the worst film that we watched for 90s video game movies. So seven. Because <laughs> we've had nine movies, right? <laughs> Yes. So, well, this is where it gets a little wonky because, like, we could let's so break up the six for this show, and then as we where they slot into the one through three to come into this is what I was thinking. Because Double Dragon would be my next one, and that would also be under Tron for me. I'm not following what the heck you're talking about. We we discussed six films, right? In this show. So we'll rank those six, and as we set each one on the spot, then we'll decide where it goes relative to the 90s okay, movies. Okay, so we're not going MK and Tron, because we just said no, Tron was... No, you okay. said that. I thought you said Tron. No, I said that... So I was looking at it from the per- perspective that Tom said, where we say the movie, and then where does it fit into the other God, list. okay. So whatever so we so decide we're just on... ranking the six. Yeah, and then, then we're slotting then them we're into where they go. Got at it. the same time, kind of at the same time. Got it. Like, yep. once we set it worth where it rates in this one, okay. where does it rate in the master list? Got it. Alright. So I would say next would be, for me, would be Double Dragon, and that would be underneath Tron as well. I mean, I, I, I would push for Street Fighter. The next thing on my list above Street Fighter would be Mortal Kombat, the original Mortal Kombat. So the next... One for me in our in the in the six would be I had Wing Commander. Uh oh, somebody's um, gonna have to give some ground here. I mean, I think I Wing Commander was my favorite of these movies, so like I I would have a very hard time settling down to five on Wing Commander. Wing Commander was higher for me too, um, but Street Fighter was higher for me as well. Well, I could put, I could see Double Dragon because I had Double Dragon as my next one above Wing Commander, so Double Dragon for me I, I'm okay putting that at five. Hmm. How's that? How's that jiving with you, Tom? I mean, I had I had Double Dragon at three, and I would have put it above Starfighter. No way! No way! Yeah. You've got to be kidding me! Uh, I mean, the thing that sticks with me uh, with Starfighter was like him being all bummed out that he couldn't go to the lake with his friends, and then the stupid, horrible CGI and the Death Blossom. 
Right, but overall, it was a much more engaging and enjoyable movie than Double Dragon ever was. I had Last Starfighter below Double Dragon. Really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Wow. I mean, I'm not, I'm not ready to die in the hill. Like I could slide Double Dragon into five, and I won't lose sleep over it. I just, I mean, I really hated Street Fighter, and I'm gonna argue it for every point until it settles in. <laughs> I mean, I could see Street Fighter going next but i had it i had it above double dragon still i mean i had street fighter above annihilation but uh, oh that no i didn't uh, it's just after we ranked annihilation i had both street fighter and annihilation below tron those were the only movies that i had below tron casey do you have anything else no annihilation was the only movie i had below tron double dragon i had below tron that was the only one hmm. i mean so i can i can budge with you on the tron thing um, and if we want to still talk about something else being in there, like, that's fine. Like, I don't have a huge affinity for Tron. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Tron sucked. I guess I'm willing to budge on Double Dragon. So we'll go Double Dragon 5. Okay. So we had 6, Annihilation. 5, Double Dragon. 5, Double Dragon. Now to settle on just where exactly it fits in the hierarchy. I mean, I did, I, I hated Tron. So, like, I would put Double Dragon above Tron. But I again, I don't feel passionately enough that I'd die in the hill over that one. I mean, I'm fine. I would be fine with it going over Tron if that's what you guys think. I don't think it's above Starfighter, though. Yeah, I could live with that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then we are on to our number four film. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm banging the drum here, but Street Fighter sucked. I mean, I, I can concede at this point. I can concede Street Fighter. I don't want to. I enjoyed it a lot. Like, I had some... It was probably the most fun I had watching any of these movies. I had Street Fighter as my number one ranked movie. Oh, my God. Man. <laughs> you are just trolling me. That I don't think is going to happen. Well, I know, which is... It's hard for me to put it here, considering it's yeah. my number one. Like, get to Thomas saying it was his worst, so... Like, I think the fair thing would be to, I mean, this is four, right? You said? This is four, so, yeah. so three or four, and you had it at what, Joe? Street Fighter? Street Fighter. Um, three? Yeah, so Street Fighter, I would have had, like, one more up. Um, I probably would have had Mortal Kombat next. I mean, Mortal Kombat was pretty bad. I had it at four. I just had worse movies beneath it. Annihilation and Street Fighter. Annihilation, yes. I, mean, I think we should go Mortal Kombat now. That's where I'm, and then and then I'll give you Street Fighter at three. All right, I can live with that. Can you live with that, Burns? Mm -hmm. All right, so we have the original <laughs> Mortal Kombat coming in at four, and then Street Fighter at three, and then Street Fighter at three. And both then, of those below Starfighter. I would still say that they're both below Starfighter. I had, I mean, I had, I had Starfighter on the overall list at seven. Oh boy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would have put, uh, wing commander, super Mario bros and double dragon all above starfighter. I've already caved on one of those, uh, but I have a hard time putting street fighter above starfighter. I think Joe, you like starfighter more than it's, yeah. It sounds like I like starfighter yeah. more than you guys. Yeah. Um, but it's not a hill. I, am super worried about dying on so i don't well i mean if you have it higher i'm more with you that starfighter belongs higher on the list than the three movies that we just slaughtered yeah, yeah. I, I think so too yeah 
2v1. Sorry, homie. Okay. <laughs> Death Blossom it is. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have two movies left, right? Yeah. It's Super yeah. Mario Bros. and Wing Commander. For me, it was Wing Commander at the top of the list. I had Wing Commander so far down. I had, um, Wing, I had Wing Commander right above Last Starfire. So I had Wing Commander sixth overall, which would have been on our other list. Would it be one, two, three, four, five? Five out of six, I had Wing Commander. Yeah. Um, these ones were, these both were super close for me. Um, I mean, I thought Wing Commander was a more cohesive and interesting story, uh, but Super Mario Bros. was just so wacky and fun and wild. And so just... I was gonna say, I thought I thought Super Mario was more interesting. Um, yeah, I had Mario Brothers pretty high. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I'm pretty sure I would put Mario Brothers one and uh, Wing Commander two. Huh? I can live with that, Casey. Yeah, I mean it's pretty. It's it's. A lot higher than I want Wing Commander to be, but I have no I no problem with Mario Brothers number one. I had it right behind the greatest comedy of all time, Street Fighter. <laughs> all right, well, that was not a super contentious ring. I mean, it was a little bit more involved than last year's when we just had three, three movies them, and yeah. we were all and they were all pretty cannabis. standard where they yeah. banded into. All um, right, so check me if I have this order correct. We are saying that the best video game movie that we've seen through the 80s and 90s is Super Mario Bros. No, no, oh, no, no. no. War, War Games is still oh, number one. Yeah, sorry, I hadn't uh, transferred that down yeah. to the bottom no, of the list. No, War Games with a bullet is better than any of these, hands down. So War Games is number one. Yes. Then Super Mario's, yep. Super Mario Bros. Yep. Wing Commander. Yep. No. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Last Starfighter. Yep. Followed by ugh, Street Fighter. That one doesn't feel good to me. Yeah, it feels perfect. Well, it feels a lot better than the rest of the garbage that's above it that we've listed so far. <laughs> Followed by Mortal Kombat, Double Dragon, Tron, and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling people are probably going to balk at Super Mario Brothers being as high as it is. I, I agree, could see... but those people probably haven't watched it in 30 years. Like, right. It's, it's surprisingly interesting. Yeah, especially if you just... If you look at it like outside of like expectations, um, and just kind of like try to take it in for what it is, I yeah, I I think it's I think it's worth watching. Like we never really came back to that. Um, I, it doesn't like gra- like graphically it looks like dated and everything like that, but I think it's worth watching in like twenty twenty two, especially with like the new Super Mario Brothers movie coming out. That's gonna be like actual like what we would have expect a Super Mario, and it's it's CG too. So there's that also, but um, I think it's worth watching and trying to look at it with a little bit of an open mind um, to see what's there because uh, it's 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 it was more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be for sure. Do you know how open minds are like outside? Open minds are overrated. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel me? That's good podcast chemistry yeah. right there. I mean, I would have put, I would have put number two. I would have put Last Starfighter at number two still. But Jeez. I know you guys don't like that as much as I did. Um, but I'm fine with the list as it is. I just wanted to throw that little nugget there. Sure. Yeah. I think I'm overly maybe harsh on space movies just because there's so many really good ones out there to compare to. Yeah. That it's it's hard when you see some of these other ones and it's just they're just not done even remotely close to like I mean like Aliens, which was done in the eighties well, right. and stuff like you know, or, or Star Wars obviously. I mean the Star Trek movies. I mean there's so mm-hmm. many good 
space movies and then like you watch these and it's it's just hard to like put them on that sort of pedestal that, that some of the other movies that are like that so i have i have a hard time with those especially when well, it's just really who, crappy let's also look at it this stories. way who directed alien ridley scott who directed star wars lucas who directed one what's one of those other great space franchises you named mm, honestly star trekkers 2001 a space odyssey i mean kubrick a lot of those films that you're talking about have actual directors like actual <laughs> movie directors attached to them like i think that is one of the most interesting things that we've seen about video game movies it's like these no-name directors getting their first shot and uh for whatever reason, it doesn't come together. Well, I think that's what's so intriguing about, like, with some of the streaming series that are coming out for video games. Like, The Last of Us is being done by the person who made Chernobyl, which was Fantastic. highly regarded. And it's like, okay. It's a new era. We're actually getting, like, people that know how to, like, really make, like, high-quality things. Um, putting these shows together so it, it'll it'll be neat to see what happens with that the people that made westworld i know people are pretty all over the place on where that's gone after the first season second season so on and so forth um but they're the ones that are behind the fallout series um eli roth i mean he's not a great director but he's made quite a few movies and he's doing borderlands and we're getting these people that have like actual names this aren't this these aren't people cutting their chops their first thing that they've made and they're making a video game movie like these are like sought after by folks and i guess that part of that's just sort of showing where video games has come as time has gone on and and also that's probably partially reflective of the fact that at this point especially the video game industry dwarfs the movie industry in how much it makes and like the budget of the productions of these things like aside from the MCU most movie productions don't come close to the budget and how much money and how, how much money is spent and how much money is made off of uh, those projects. And so I think that's part of why a lot of this has changed as well. That's fascinating. Anything else you guys want to get off your chest about video game movies from either the 80s or the 90s? And again, if you are curious about our first video game movie shows around November of last year, 80s video game movies in the OIO podcast feed. Yeah, no, I think we uh, covered pretty much everything there is to know about all these, in my opinion, terrible movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, none of, like, I would say out of all of these movies that we've talked about on these two podcasts, like, War Games is the only one that's actually a good movie. <laughs> yeah, right? that's the one, like, if it's on, like, if I'm flipping through channels, I would actually stop and watch War Games. The rest of these, I'm passing right by. So, using that metric... If I saw Street Fighter on, I might stop and watch it depending on where it's at. Because it's just like some of the, it's, I don't know, there's some stuff in there um, that I would maybe like stop by for a little bit just to check in on. Yeah, I'd be looking for a good laugh. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's a great comedy. It's, I know it probably wasn't meant to be, but it is. It's a great comedy and it, it should have been higher on the list. I disagree with my entire heart <laughs> and, just, and being. And just wait next year's episode when we talk about 19 movies in one show. It's going to be great. We are <laughs> really going to have to find some way to focus that show because uh, the 2000s is a huge explosion. We intend to make the show an annual thing and outside it is overrated as long as we're doing the podcast. So uh, we'll figure out some focus and it should be a great show next year. But next month, we're going to nerd out over Tolkien. We'll break down the Silmarillion and the Rings of Power. Bring a power aid for that one, Burns. It's going to get musty down here in my basement. <laughs> I don't know 
what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Bernsey, uh, sneak preview. Are you enjoying the Silmarillion so far? I am. It's a slow burn at start. Oh, at start? At middle? At two-thirds? <laughs> I mean, I was literally, I traveled for work and I consumed a big chunk of this book on the work travel. And like, I was texting you and Patrick throughout my uh, time in early Middle Earth. I'm like, this book sucks. I really hate this. I openly loathe everything except for this one little bit. And then finally, finally, stuff got real in the last like 20% of the book. I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is all right. Yeah, it, it's so... I think the biggest thing with the Silmarillion is that it's a mythology and history book about Middle Earth. Yeah. Uh, and so. It's spoiler it, alert. There ain't no hobbits. No, they, they're latecomers to everything. Uh, it's, it's interesting from like a world burn world building perspective. Um, and like just to hear the ungodly amounts of time that Tolkien spent in his life thinking about developing this world and what was the makings of what ended up being the books that he published first. Um, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And so like reading the Silmarillion from that perspective, it's interesting. It's really hard to get through the beginning parts of it because of all the names and the names of people change and develop and things have like a different name from all the different languages that are developed in there. Um, you know, because Tolkien spent time developing each of those languages cause he was a linguist, you know? Uh, it's, it's, so it's, it's a lot to get through. I find myself going back to the index to be like, who's this person again? Oh, okay. This person that did this and begat this. And <laughs> and uh, I took a different approach. Like, I'm just like, okay, I don't know who that is. I don't care. Okay. I don't know who that is. I don't care. I don't, what are they doing in this moment? And am I interested? No. Okay. Well, just keep, just keep turning. Just keep turning. Just keep turning. I'm so, reading every word. Just plowing the, through. the thing though, that it helped though. Cause like, if I didn't start like looking back at the index, I wouldn't have like caught some of the things that are connections to like the the parts that we know from the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit. Like, you did give me a tip on Ungoliant. That was yeah, helpful. With Ungoliant, like if I didn't go back and look at like as I saw this name and it's like I don't remember seeing this. What is this? And then I look back at the book and it's like oh Ungoliant is what like all of the spiders came from and like Shalab is like a descendant of Ungoliant and it's like oh. Interesting. Okay. Um, Pretty sure I just killed one of the descendants in your bathroom too. Oh, nice. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, we have some big spiders in this house, man. Yeah. <laughs> they take it over. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just hoping they'll bite me and I'll become Spider Tom. <laughs> Casey, you want to shoot of your webs from, Tom? Yeah, we're through episode, I think, four. Awesome. You enjoying so, the ride so far? Yeah, I think it's awesome. We, uh, or my wife and I have been watching... Um, uh, House of the Dragon at, at the same time and really enjoying that. Like it, it sucks that they both came out at the same time because they're both like franchises that I really really dig. And it uh, sucks having two young children. So like I don't watch anything unless it's for the show. <laughs> yeah, that too. Well, and like you can't watch uh, House of the Dragon in front of <laughs> children. They because, can't because recognize of... <laughs> stuff yet. <laughs> Mine can because I'm <laughs> well, yeah, <yours> <laughs> 16, 15, and 11. So there's some stuff in there you definitely don't want them to see. But no, they're they, they're watching uh, Rings of Power with us, and they. they I mean, really your kids like have it. access to the internet twenty four seven. Like I, I bet they've seen I'm everything. Sure, they yes, but they don't need to see it with their parents. Huh. That's <laughs> wait. There's no hardcore nudity in Rings of Power. Uh, not that I've seen yet. No, I can't do the show. Gladriel's pretty. I'm not interested anymore. You're reading the Silmarillion for Christ's sakes. If you can make it through that, you can make it through anything, dude. Like I just. 
I I know Brian hates when I pick on him, and like I bring it up all the time. But like I just imagine Brian picking up the Silmarillion in like two sentences. Nope, I'm not gonna do it. Well, and like I've spent hours reading the stupid book now. I'm like, Brian would have been right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you would have stopped ages ago. And granted, you're liking some of the stuff you've been reading most recently, but yeah, I like once uh like once Melkor starts like. Once the onslaught in Middle Earth happens, that's good. Like I think Tolkien writes some really good like battle stuff, and so like yeah. that is really interesting. But it is a long buildup, and like this is arguably the least enjoyable book I've read up until that payoff. I, one of the games I play while I'm reading the book is like, how would I rewrite this to make this interesting? Because there's like little kernels about how uh, like the El- or how the orcs are created and how like Balrogs come to be, and it's like, oh, well, that little tiny little tidbit buried in this chapter full of names is slightly interesting. <laughs> Anyways, next month, Tolkien, Silmarillion, Rings of Power. It's gonna be awesome ish thank you for listening to outside is overrated please review us on your favorite podcast platform and consider supporting our show on patreon at patreon.com slash oio for casey at dr underscore casey on twitter and for joy at hobbybox burns on twitter and hobbybox burns at how twitch.tv slash hobbybox burns i'm thompson logic at thompson logic oio we'll talk to you next month stay inside kids Over the door! Save us! You got the air purifier going. That's alright. Clearly, there's a lot of weaknesses that we could pull at. The story was a dick. (laughs) The story was a dick. dick. (laughs) (laughs) Tom just tried to guzzle it down. Would you be, do be, do be, do be, do be. <laughs> Open the door, get on the floor. Tom's meow, 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 meow. Casey, what do you be, be, do you. I got into the point and then I just lost it. I had it. I had it and then I just. With this, I don't know how to kill the bunny. I've seen that movie, Casey. <laughs>